Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Everybody, it's Wednesday, July 11th, 2012, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm in the house with Steve Say. Hello. Bob Ryer. Guten Tag. And filling in for Stephanie Cook, Rob Newmeyer. Hey, now. <laughs> I like that. Welcome back, Rob. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me, everyone. Thank you for rejoining us and helping us out when we are in a time of need. That's no problem as long as Stephanie is having fun in San Diego. She is. Well, she's mm-hmm. probably working on working yet. I think the, everything kind of kicks off tomorrow. She's lounging by the pool. No, they're she's drinking now. Yeah. Oh, she's working now? They're all setting up their booths and everything. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, though, if Bill and Stephanie are setting up the booth. Maybe. Maybe not. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we are here to talk about comics. It's a, sh- a short week because we only did this on Thursday. Yes. Last week, but uh, we are back. Uh, we are sipping some nice fireball cinnamon whiskey. The Fantastic. Yeah. The official whiskey of the Talking Comics podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> That's whiskey with no E. <laughs> really? Yes. So everybody knows. Um, Is that a Canadian thing? or No, I think it's actually the way you're supposed to spell it or something. I don't know. Wow. It's, yeah. Who would have thought? Yeah. Who would have thought indeed? Uh, so we are going to be talking about the whole Marvel Now thing because we didn't talk about it last week, and it's uh, all over the place on the internet. And and because of the fact that we record on Tuesdays, uh, even though it is Wednesday when you're listening yeah. to this, we can't talk about The Walking Dead number 100 because it's not out yet, and we can't talk about Comic-Con because it really hasn't started yet. So uh, <laughs> those two big stories will have to come later. Uh, for now, we are going to talk about Marvel Now and, of course, do our Book of the Weeks and all of that good business. A little bit weird book of the week this week because we talked about this week's books yeah. last week. Yeah. Uh, so there's gonna be a little, we're going to change it up a little bit. We're going to kind of um, not be so strict about coming out you know, this past week. <laughs> yeah, uh, talk about some stuff coming out today. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We have a couple things Ooh. we're going to talk about, stuff coming out today. Which Big week. Some really cool stuff from Image that Steve and I have both uh, got the chance to take a look at. Yeah, uh, Which absolutely. is pretty awesome. Um, before we get to that, though, I want to start out by saying um, about a month, I guess it's almost two months ago now, I reviewed Batman Incorporated number one, uh, New 52, and uh, um, I gave it a mixed review. I, I, I thought that it was a bad number one, and I heard all everybody saying, you know, you, you have to read everything else, and it's not really a number one. Um, I still stand by the fact that if you're going to call book number one and not tell anybody who any any of the regular um, comic buying public that it is part of another series, then that's a bad move. Uh, but uh, I did read Batman Incorporated, the, the first volume, I guess, which encompasses the Leviathan Strikes uh, one-shot that came out yeah. um, late last year, I think it was, right? So after reading it, um, it's interesting, right? So the things that, when I was reading Batman Incorporated number one, the New 52 version, 
you know, I was struck by the kind of oddness of the book and, and that threw me off even just as much as the feeling lost in a story that felt like it was in the middle, you yeah. know? Um, and having read all Batman Incorporated, uh, the first volume, that weirdness is still there. Um, <laughs> the book is a very odd book. Uh, sometimes in, I think, genius ways. And, and sometimes it's so odd that it just equals me being confused and feeling like I'm missing something. It's really big. It is really it's, big. It's international, literally. It's huge. It is. <laughs> but, you know, I'm reading this Batman Incorporated uh, trade that Steve let me borrow, and even reading that, I feel like there's other stuff that I should have read to understand kind of what's happening in Batman Incorporated, you know, from number one on. Uh, you know, it, it was one of the situations where I was like, okay, there's some stuff I don't understand here. I'll just let it go and, you know, we'll just move on. Um, I, I, I liked that it was, even though it was one big story, it was sort of broken up into kind of smaller arcs. It was, okay, this is the story about, you know, El Gaucho or whatever. Yeah, so yep. I say the name? Yes. Um, <laughs> Score. Uh, there was the Batwoman story and then there was the Stephanie Brown Batgirl story and Leviathan Strikes and then all the other stuff, which that stuff I enjoyed. Um, I liked meeting the kind of new Batman in a lot of ways. I really like, there's one that's a Native American one, the Man of Bats, I guess his name is, that I loved. I, I loved that uh, storyline. Um, so having read that, I, I now feel like, okay, if I had read this before Batman Incorporated 1 came out, I've been really excited and really happy with Batman Incorporated number one because um, it was really great and it made me want to kind of reach out farther into the Grant Morrison uh, Batman stuff. Yeah. I'm reading that. Th- that's what you definitely have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> the best place to start is when he first jumped on the title, the introduction to Damien, mm-hmm. uh, going into the Batman R.I.P. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a huge tendency into going into like the Silver Age books, reaching out, grabbing characters out of nowhere, mm-hmm. and, and kind of reinventing them. And that, that's what this whole series is, pretty much. Right, yeah. Steve, what did you think of it? Because you read it as well. Yes, I did. Um, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, I definitely agree that it was. It's pretty tremendous. Mm. Um, lots of ins and outs. I actually, when I was talking to you about it, um, I'll say the same thing to our listeners that um, it's like reading a book, a novel of mm-hmm. of a author. Uh, I chose the comparison to somebody like Chuck Palahniuk, where mm. all of his books, everyone that I've read, and I've read. Pretty much all of them. Mm. They all have their their own. It's the same voice, but it has every one of them has a different rhythm. Mm-hmm. Um, it took me a while to get the rhythm of the incorporated. I felt like it was very disjointed at first, and because we were moving around to so many different locations, I felt like I wasn't able to like sink my teeth into what had just happened. That automatically, like, like all of a sudden, we're we're off uh, across the world mm-hmm. doing doing something else where I was just starting to fall into, you know, the, the previous story, and then it kind of got, it, it's no longer a part of it. Yeah. But with that being said, thinking back on it and uh, rereading it a little bit, I, I like the variety. Mm-hmm. Like, and I like the idea that for each issue, we went like a different introduction to one of the different Batman, and it was set in a different place, and mm-hmm. there were different, you know, personalities and characters meet different threats um, and I think that the overarching um, threat that's in the book and the stuff that it's set up for the new series, mm-hmm. um, the stuff with one character in particular, 
uh, has been huge for mm-hmm. me as a writer. I don't want to say who it is; it's kind of a surprise, right? But um, stuff with that character, I've never really been able to delve into it too much. Mm-hmm. And now that I know what that character is capable of by the events of Incorporated, mm-hmm. it it really kind of put that character in a different light for me. So I appreciate the Incorporated even just for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was entertaining otherwise too. But if I can if I can look at a character totally different after reading something, then it was it was worth it was worth it for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, my two favorite, I think, sections of the book actually, I think, are the Batwoman uh, issues yeah, where those, we get were great. where we get both Batwoman, we get the modern one, and we get the you know the original Batwoman uh, included in that. And was the uh, the Batgirl thing in the in the that was my favorite school. because uh, yeah. I was saying how the. I, for me personally, I, we were talking about this earlier, Rob and I, that towards the end of Stephanie Brown's Batgirl run, I kind of lost sight of what was going on with mm-hmm. it. And I kind of fell, not I didn't fall out of love with the character, but I kind of fell out of love with where it was going. Mm-hmm. But that particular issue of Incorporated seemed to have bring, brought back the humor of the earlier issues of where that where I felt that series was at a time. And so it kind of reminded me of all that, and I enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah, it felt a little bit like Morning Glories to me as yeah. well, because it's a finishing school for supervillains. Yeah. Wow. So, it's, and that's the kind of thing, like, there are all these crazy ideas that Morrison institutes almost in everything that he does, and sometimes it equals, you know, not great, and sometimes it equals great. It's never usually in the middle. You know, it's never usually, oh, it's okay. <laughs> you know, um, well, it, it's it's funny. In the first issue, the villain that they face, mm-hmm. the the guy who can't die. What's his name again? Oh, um, is it Mister De- Doctor Death? Death or, yeah, okay, Doctor Deathman. Doctor Deathman. Yeah. Doctor <laughs> Deathman. Yeah. So b- back in the day, that's an old villain from a, a Batman manga. Oh, okay. That came out in Japan, mm-hmm. and so Grant Morrison went and took that character and yeah. made him who he was in the book. Mm-hmm. And if anyone saw the end of uh, the Batman Brave and the Bold. Um, the cartoon series, that character actually shows up. They do kind of a uh, a bat manga, like 10-minute episode. So they throw him in there. Uh, so the mythos is is currently, you know, it keeps expanding with all of these characters that he brought in from Batman Inc. Um, yeah. So it is really cool. And even with, like you were saying, the boarding school thing, did you kind of catch some of the teachers who they look like? Uh, the headmistress, she, it's Madonna. Oh, <laughs> then there's like Rihanna and Lady Gaga. It's, it's crazy. If, so if you go back and look at the art, you catch those little oh, things. Oh wow, I didn't even. Wow. Mm-hmm. And there's also a drastic art change um, when uh, it's Yannick Paquette who starts out uh, the run, and then it, Chris Burnham, I believe, takes over. And they're wildly different looking art styles. You know, Yannick is more like Al- Raphael Albuquerque type look. You know, very thick black lines, and um, and then. Chris Burnham, it, it's just it's surreal. You know, it's kind of surreal. Like they're a little more squished. They have a little bit. You know, they look almost like Frank Quietly. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in and also for someone who was kind of out of the DC universe for a while, reading that book, it's a little overwhelming. You know, uh, because first of all, the first time there were two Batman's on, and you know, because one of them's Dick and one of them is Bruce. Because it's after Bruce has come back from Final Crisis. Um, I got really confused. I was like, okay, which one is the... Blue, you know? blue and black. Uh, yeah, I got that's, that. That's, yeah. what I, that's what I did in my head. I was like, yeah. okay. <laughs> uh, but that first panel was you know, confusing. And then, but it was really interesting. And, and more than anything, it's so intriguing to read uh, that 
it made me want to read other things by him because it's a very bizarre treatment of Batman. And I've grown to like Damien so much that the, the uh, seeing him, anything I can get from him, I, I really, I really dig. Yep. So, um, yeah, that's Batman Incorporated. I love how a little, little brat character has like slowly wormed his way into becoming like, at least he's one of my favorites. Yeah. I think he's great. Yeah. I think he's pretty great. Um, so uh, that was my book of the week, I guess. And we're, we'll, I'll talk about the book that's coming out this week, I think, after we let you guys talk a little bit about something else. Um, hmm. Bob, why don't you keep us in the past machine? And uh, Yeah, because yeah, book of the week, since we went through books yeah. of the week last week, um, for a future show, we're, we're going down the list of favorite characters. Mm. So in going through the boxes, I came across Arthur Adams' Monkey Man and O'Brien. <laughs> I love it. That's a great concept. Anyway, it started as a backup feature in Hellboy, uh, Seeds of Destruction, in, in uh, a couple of issues of that, and then got collected and put out into its own. What we have here is Anne Darrow O'Brien, which is a double uh, King Kong in-joke, it being the character name and the animator, um, and a giant 10-foot gorilla. And Arthur Adams, who generally just drew, in, in this case writes, and what we have here is... Anne's the daughter of a missing scientist, and she's playing with one of his machines, which is some sort of trans-dimensional transport gizmos, and accidentally sucks through this giant 10-foot-tall super-intelligent gorilla. With glasses. With, well, he doesn't have those right away. She, oh. he, only, he only sees the glasses when he, she shows him the library. But anyway, it being comics, the machine explodes. <laughs> you know, so he can't get home. It's always the way. Bathes yeah, her in radiation... So she ends up being seven feet tall and 240 pounds of, like, gorgeous redhead on top of everything of else. Because it's Arthur Adams, and it can't be anything else. Um, and, and her estranged sister, Oniko, who ends up a bad guy for issues down the road. She has to be seven feet tall. She has to fight the shroominoid <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the froglodytes. Oh, my God. This is just... It's hysterically funny. It's goofy old monster movies. And, and Adam's art is just brilliant. It's just wonderfully detailed, but fun. The monsters are really cool you know, looking. It's, it's all very fine line work, but never so busy that you look at it and say, you know, there's too much to look out here. It's just a whole lot of fun. Unfortunately, there are only three issues of Monkey Man and O'Brien <laughs> ever. Guested with Gen 13 in a real lovely little homage to the Star Trek mirror universe that turns into when the characters switch universes, they go into sort of the image universe where all of a sudden everyone is huge chests and butts and why do I have this huge bra on kind of thing. It's his statement about what was going on. Uh, it's collected in a lovely little trade paper by Dark Horse some years back. Do yourself a favor. Search this out. You... You'll have a great time. You're seeing this for the first time, including a nice little panel. It about looks pancakes. a lot of fun. Yes, Rob, you've I have not read somewhere. it. I, I do have it on my shelf. It's in okay. my reading pile. But yeah, very interesting looking, and I love art items. Um, definitely great artwork. Right. What he generally does now is covers, unfortunately. His work is so detailed that the time taken to do anything, he'll do a cover. But as I was saying to Steve Waffair... In the old days, I used to buy covers just because they're covers. It was Dave Stevens. I'll buy a cover. It's, you know, Alan Davis. I'll buy the cover at $4. 
No, I'm not buying covers anymore. But this one, you buy the trade for 15, get four great issues of really fun stuff. If you're a fan of old monster movies, superheroes, Star Trek, anything at all, you just like fun books, Monkey Man and O'Brien. All right, Monkey Man and O'Brien. Yeah. <laughs> He's a giant gorilla. What else should he be called? He's named Axwell Tiberius, but we'll call him Monkey Man. I can't get over the glasses. <laughs> I love oh. them. They're great. And he has a little case. He pulls out of his pocket and opens up his glass. Are there bananas in there? No. What about, like, Monkey Poo? No Monkey Poo. He comes in a giant spacesuit. He's it a scientist. Of, it would kind of degrade his, uh, his yes. intellectualism, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> monkey boy. I have a You're way no to man. save the world, but first I have to fling my own feces. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rob, what about you? It's a secret from us. We don't know your book of the yeah. week. Well, no. I, I was toggling back and forth if I should do something from last week, but a lot of my favorite stuff was, was covered by you guys already, which isn't bad. That's good, <laughs> I guess. Um, I had went on vacation uh, about a week ago, and I brought along my collected edition of Queen and Country. Um, it's a great book put out by Oni Press. Uh, and it's basically a huge spy story. Uh, it's written by Greg Rucka. Uh, he does some of the absolute best female leads in comics. Uh, Batwoman. Uh, there's the new Punisher series. He has a great female lead in there. Uh, the Question turned her into someone worth reading. Um, yeah, so Queen and Country, it's basically a big spy thriller. It takes place over in England, so it's the MI16. Uh, it's just very political thinking, you know, you get lost in thought basically while reading the book. Uh, guns, everything. So, excellent read. I know you guys haven't read it, so it's not going to be a long conversation yeah. about it. I get a lot of people on Twitter asking me, what should I read? Should I read this? So Queen and Country, uh, definitely go look it up online. It's, it's worth reading. Cool. Um, but before we let you off the hook here, uh, last week we talked about Batman uh, Earth One, which was a book that we <laughs> all liked. Yes. Um, but. But. There's got to be a but. There is a but because when I bought this book from the man sitting here next to us, he had a very different take on it. <gasps> Yeah, uh, I did not enjoy it at all. All right, so tell us why you did not like Batman Earth 1. Okay, so you have this huge reboot about 10 months ago. So you have all your new Batman titles, and you're trying to basically go along with a new timeline. Uh, Not a new Batman, but basically you're you're changing stuff in the past, basically. Uh, Everyone is set on that. Scott Snyder is doing absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. And then, about a month ago, you put out Batman Death by Design. Uh, it fits in. It almost fits into the new 52 universe. It, it basically can. Well, Great not re- really. If, if ba- in the new 52 universe, Batman is five years old. Not in 1936 yeah, or whatever. Yeah. I'm just saying in terms of characterization and... Okay. No, okay. I agree with that. Yeah. You know, you're not going to get confused. It, it fits the Batman mythos, basically. And then it, it reads very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Batman Earth One comes out, and it reads like my, my nephew had written it. <laughs> I, oh, on, we're going to go to the mattresses on this one. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. No, honestly, <laughs> honestly, Jeff Johns is, is one of my favorite writers, and this is probably the first thing that, that he's putting out in quite a while that 
I just couldn't get on board with. Uh, I understand it's it's an alternate Earth. I've read plenty of Elseworlds stories before. It just it does not fit, in my opinion. Uh, tons of the characterizations are just done wrong. Uh, and I know, I know, it's supposed to be a different Earth. Okay, well, you, I'm letting you finish your point, yeah. though. I'm not going to interrupt you. Finish your point. <laughs> You're going to kill me. I'm not going to kill you, but we're going to have a discussion about this. No, He's I'm sharpening his claws. Snip. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the pacing in the book was horrible. The main villain was horrible. Uh, the end reveal was something done millions of times before. I, I don't know. It, it just didn't go well for me. Okay. Um, I'll address two of your points first, and we'll go around the table here. Um, so this is one of these things where I get, um, with criticism in general, I start getting a little prickly when people say stuff like this. So you complained, the first thing you complained about was that the characterizations were wrong and that they were different. And then you complained that something at the end was like other things that you had read. So there's a there's an inconsistency there in that criticism. Whether it's your wording or how you actually feel, it's a different story. But you know you can't ask for something new and then get mad when something new is given to you. I mean, okay, that I understand that, and I'm not asking for. I'm just asking for a damn good story. Okay, well that's fine. But I, I feel like you saying that the characterizations are wrong is. But then also saying, I know it's an alternate universe take, then that's a, that's a criticism to me that's not valid because, yes, the, the, the characterizations are different, but on purpose. It's not like Johns is getting them wrong. He's intentionally changing them. Okay, so then it just goes back to, to my point that I think the, the writing is, is horrible. Which is fine. <laughs> okay, it's, that's fine. If you believe that, that's fine. Um, you know, and, you know, it's, very, it's a very subjective thing. The quality, quality of writing is very subjective. Um, but like those couple points, I, like I said before, which you've, you know, obviously you've just kind of corrected yourself on or however you want to put it, um, are, are the issues I have with that criticism of the book. But Bob, you wanted to say something. Sure. I think we get a, a James Gordon we've kind of seen mm-hmm. in a few other media too, but at the core, he's still the guy who wants to make Gotham right again. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's on the wrong track to begin with, but pulls himself away from that. And his end scene is, is amazing mm. in the police station. Barbara is, is great. Yeah. I thought that was really done well. And Alfred was just <laughs> kick-ass. Mm. That was an Alfred I've never seen before. And again, I, I'm with you in that I want it to be consistent. But only that, okay, we don't make Commissioner Gordon the bad guy. All of a sudden, he's some costume supervillain out, out of left field, ludicrous. Give me a different take. Give me a, a shot through the prism at a slightly different angle, because mm-hmm. that's what I wanted Elseworlds to be. And I don't know, I don't know what Earth we're supposed to be now. That since there's an Earth two, and is the real DC universe Earth one or Earth Prime or Earth Zero? Or I don't know. Who knows anymore? Yeah. So if Earth one is going to be, let's tell slightly older style stories in an older sort of the Tim Burton Batman Earth, where is it 1930, mm-hmm. 1950, 1960? I don't know. You want to put slightly different twists? I'll go there. I really enjoyed this, and I was prepared to hate it. We sat here yeah. and went, I don't want to look at this. Yeah. And no, I, I walked away after you know, 15, 20. I said, wow, I, I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Steve, you're up. Um, T- take out your brick bats. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't feel, I don't feel as I'm, – I'm, I'm kind of in the middle. I don't feel as strongly liking as, as you guys do about it. Um, I do agree with Rob, and this is a big deal for me. The villain – for me, it was a joke. Like, I, 
or a henchman, whatever you want. Well, no, he is a villain, but I just don't like. Uh, to me, he's a like cipher for what's going on. You, you he's barely, yeah. he's not the force that's making the engine go in that book. The, the villain's he's, Gotham, maybe itself. Yeah, I mean the the villain is the penguin, or you know the villain is whatever. The villain is like the the societal, you know, ills that are happening, and he's part of that. Yeah, I mean you don't see his face until like the last couple pages. You know, he's just somebody that they call in to go do my dirty work for me. He I just would have dirty stuff. For, he does for something that's supposed to be like your introduction to a world. I just would have liked uh, a threat that had a little bit more of a dynamic to him. I thought the whole the whole birthday boy thing was just like like they had like a dartboard and they they threw they threw some darts <laughs> and it, it it came up with birthday boy and they're like let's do that. I want to see the merman. I mean, uh, okay. <laughs> my my thing about that is just that there are totally threats got going we on. Totally got that. You know, there are threats happening. The, the, you, Batman doesn't even know this person exists. The, the Batman's not fighting the birthday boy. No, I know, but look, you when, know? when I when I read a Batman story, okay, there's so many good and great Batman villains that it's just when you have something by comparison that doesn't doesn't it doesn't thrill me the way that the Batman villains usually mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. It's it's a deterrent of the book. Though for I, me personally, I mean, it's just you know. Go ahead, Bob. I can't speak for the writer, obviously. Right. But I think on purpose we have not Riddler. We don't have right. anybody special. It's about Gotham City. Yeah. I have and what what that would breed in a slightly twisted individual. Yeah. I have an aversion to characters that their dialogue is very limited. Um perfect example is Suicide Squad, the shark guy. What is his name? Mr. Sharkman or something like that. <laughs> it should Super be. Super Shark something. You know who I'm talking about. It's, it's oh, yeah. K- Killer Shark. King Shark. King Shark. King yes. Shark. Okay. Okay. better than Killer part. Shark, yeah. yes. All he does, for the most part, is like, meat, yum, I'm hungry, chomp, chomp. And I'm just like, I, I can't... I, I like can't, the way you do that. I, yeah. <laughs> I can't get into a character like that. And when Birthday Boy's like, make a wish, blow out the candles... Blow out the candles of the world. Like, I just... Yeah, that doesn't seem... That's how I heard his voice in my head, but it's fine. <laughs> I'm just, like, I'm just that's saying... That's like a cross between it, Bane and Christian Bale. Yeah, I do yeah. like that. Well, let's, let's, all right, let's just say... And, and also, it's the timing of when I read it. I had just read Batman The Dark Knight, the, the new writer, you know, uh, with the Scarecrow story that I talked about on the show. Oh, sure. And it was the same mood of the the nature of the birthday boy with what he was doing it, it, can I s- say something or, or are we no what, we're mean, 10 we, days we're out go, at no, this point no you can't point. spoil the book you can't I'm spoil I'm spoiling year it but one. he's Earth one sorry he's, all right, he's, he's going one. <laughs> after the innocence of Gotham let's yeah. put it that way and Scarecrow in the in the new new or, or Dark Knight number 10 is doing the same thing but coming from an established villain it had so much more of a disgusting context to it that I, I even said on the show that in the first couple of pages, I was disgusted. Like, I wanted him dead. With the birthday boy, it was, first of all, his name was birthday boy. Second of all... Yeah, but the Scarecrow's name is Scarecrow. The only reason you think that's cool is because he has a history for you. Yeah, but he's not, wait a minute. He's and not, I love Scarecrows stop, in general. Stop, time yeah. out. He's not birthday boy with a suit with like a cake on his head with <laughs> yeah. candles. No, but it's he's not got... like he's a super villain. Yeah. Right, no, boy. no, but he does he have... He has that whole setup, though. He does have the stupid little cone hat with the pom-pom on top. Yeah. 
while they're in the room and he's reenacting. Yeah. I, I, uh, spoiler alert. But Let's skip th- this is what I'm going to say about that is that I'm sh- I haven't read the Dark Knight book that you're talking about. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that Scarecrow is the primary antagonist in that Batman book. He is the person that Batman is going mano y mano with. Yeah. In Earth One, Batman is not going mano y mano with Birthday Boy. Birthday Boy is doing something that leads into what happens at the end of Batman, mm-hmm. the end of the story, but he's not the person that Batman's battling wits with. You know? So that's what I'm talking about as far as like, yes, if, if it had been a story where the whole thing had been Batman trying to figure out what Birthday Boy was doing, then that would have sucked. You know? But because it wasn't that... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, it didn't bother me because he's not, you know, and again, Scarecrow, Penguin, the Joker, you know, the, the Ra's al Ghul, you know, Talia al Ghul, the billion awesome Bat villains that are out there, or even the Court of Owls that Scott Snyder has invented in these past 11 issues well, are awesome. You know, what about like the finality of some of the events that happen towards the end of the book, since we're not spoiling things? Yeah. There are things that happen mm-hmm. that one in particular that if you're going to do an Earth One Volume Two, which they will, you you kind of screwed the pooch. No, that's the beauty of it to me is that in this alternate universe you can kill characters and it doesn't affect this this entire crazy universe that DC set up. You know, I'm not talking about the whole universe. I'm talking about just Earth One. Like, are you like if you kill a villain in your first book, are you going to be able to use them later? No. And that's awesome. There's, there's a finality to it. Yeah. That's the, see, this is the main thing. Like, I love comic books. The main problem with comic books is Batman never gets a fucking break. He's never going to be like, oh, I'm done, you know, because Scarecrow, <laughs> every Joker, criminal is in every jail. criminal is alive because he didn't yeah. kill anybody. They all escape out of, like, the worst prison in the entire world. And with every single person, that's what happens. And, in fact, what comic book fans complain about is that people die and that they come back and death isn't final. In an alternate universe take... In Batman, the Scott Snyder Batman, you get these characters and they're not going to die. They're going to be there. And you get to read them over and over again for another 60 years. In this one, maybe two to three volume series that Jeff Johns is writing, yeah, I'd rather people die because it makes me nervous about who could live or who could die. Everything's in play. Maybe Jim Gordon is going to die, mm-hmm. you know? And that's okay because it's not the main continuity. Right. You know what I mean? That's a good point. Yeah, Robbie, you look like you want to say something before, and you got kind of like steamrolled. So Barbara so. Gordon. Go. Oh, Barbara Gordon, no. right. That's what it is. Okay, you were saying how she had such a big part in the book. Uh, well, she had a huge part, but I liked her part in the book. I don't know. It just seemed like she was introduced, then she was damsel in distress, albeit she, she kind of took care of herself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then it was like, oh, I'm happy I'm drawing a picture. You know, to me... Dramatic foreshadowing. Well, yeah, but, but to me, for a character that powerful, it, it, it was just a weak, a weak vision of such a huge character. I mean, it's her introduction. It's not, it's not Batgirl year, yeah. Earth One, yeah. after all. So, but issue two, volume two, yeah. could lead to... Obviously, it's going to lead to her having a bigger part. So then why even throw that last panel in there? Why not throw it in there? Why not throw it in there? Exactly. It's dramatic no. this foreshadowing. Is, this it's is the, the thing I don't understand, yeah. and we're gonna, this is going to be a, a primarily part of my conversation about the Marvel Now stuff when we get to it later. I don't understand this whole, like... I, I, I guess I understand it, but I don't... It always bothers me, this whole, 
this wasn't exactly the way I would have done it or would have liked to seen it done, so it's bad mentality. It bo- that bothers me. You know? I mean... How much okay. of Batgirl did you want in the story? Or how much of Barbara Gordon did you want in the story? You want to take away focus from the other characters? Like, I don't know what kind of trade-off you want there. No, I understand, but... Like I said, why even put that in? It's not like I'm going to rewrite the story or anything like no, that. No, no, no. But uh, I just think that if you're going to do it, either go full force or... But he's know, just, starting just, something. I mean, if, if there's a volume two and a volume three and it does go full force, this was their in, your introduction to the character. If this was a one-shot, if this was a one... Shot, I totally understand that criticism. Right. Because initially when I was reading it, I had that same feeling. I was like, oh, if this is only a one thing, I mean, they're, they're introducing a lot of stuff here that I don't... Like, I don't understand how, why they're introducing it. You know, but if it's going to be multiple volumes, then I have faith in Jeff Johns to kind of execute that stuff. Right. And we're teasing future yeah. events. And again, this is not me saying that you're wrong, and I don't want you to back down. No, I'm not no, you like okay. what, you, We all like what we like, and yeah. that's yeah. what makes this a discussion. But uh, it could have been very easily a pastiche of other things we've seen before. Mm-hmm. Uh Oh, oh, we'll change this to, for the sake of changing this. I really think it all carries weight, that there's something going on here. We're seeing a different Gotham. Jim Gordon is just starting to address the issues that he's had trying to protect his family, and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. We're going somewhere else, and, and there's that danger level you were discussing that really everything's in play now. No one's safe. Mm-hmm. None of our perceptions are safe. I'm, I'm on for this ride. All right. Um, any last words, Rob, before we move on? No, I'm, I'll still read the second one. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, That's I, good, I, though. I, That's important. No, definitely. I'm not, I'm not going to totally throw it out the window just because I didn't like the first part. Otherwise, I would have missed tons of great books. But, mm-hmm. yes. So, yeah, until, until the second volume. All right. Um, well, we should spread that message, by the way, to people. What message? Well, that, just because you read the first one and it's terrible, give it. Things a second chance. We just give did. things a first. <laughs> never know, but give things a first chance too. Don't prejudge. Uh, yeah. Yes. I mean, don't prejudge. But I'll say this: unless it's Night Owl number one. <laughs> <laughs> if you're gonna spend four dollars on a book, and that first book is horrible, if you have no reason to want to keep reading that book, okay. I would never say spend your four dollars on a book that's probably gonna be horrible. Okay. Agreed. You know, my my, my more thing is okay. Stop reading it. But if you hear people saying, oh, it got really good, then go back and maybe take a, take a chance on it. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't think – I don't I, – I, a book has to earn your money, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so – but speaking of good books, <laughs> Steve. Yes. Tell us about Wild Children, which is on the shelves today. Yes, it is. Yeah. Wild Children is an image book. It's a one-shot. It is wonderful. Uh, it is by Alesh Kott with art by Riley Rosmo. Mm-hmm. And what this book is, let me let me paint you a picture. Picture you're you're in school, you're in the smart kids class, and they're having a conversation with their teacher and they're talking about they get into a conversation about the limitations of the educational system and what they're allowed to talk about and allowed to teach and what they're not allowed to teach. They mm-hmm. basically They're saying to their teacher, you know, in the past, you know, under your breath during lessons, you said that you want to teach us more about Islam, but the the curriculum won't allow you to do it. And they basically start asking, like, how do you feel about not being able to do what you desire to do? Mm. And she's like, well, it's just part of the job. And they're like, well, what if it wasn't? 
she's like, what are you talking about? And they're like, well, what if we told you that we're going to change everything that you know today? And like the teacher's weirded out. She's just like, what are you talking about? Uh, move to phase two, you come to find out that the smart kids have taken over the school and selected a few of their teachers, a few of the faculty, uh, locked them in a classroom. All the students have been, are gone, and they're televising the entire event on YouTube. And what they're going to do is they're going to educate the educated. And how they do this is they basically group them into a room and they're like, we're going to prove to you that your reality is 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 infinite. And they're like, what do you mean? They're like, oh yeah, by the way, this morning we slipped a bunch of LSD into your coffee. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah. Um, now the thing to understand about this book and why this is my book of the week and why this this book is is amazing. Um you don't necessarily need to be into comic books to enjoy this book. Um, I went to two colleges when I when I was going to school, and the first college that I went uh, went to, I will totally admit this on the air, I pretty much tripped my way through my first uh, <laughs> college, and uh, it's not a popular opinion. I had a great, great fucking time. Okay, a little scary, but it was great, and I learned a lot of things. And it changed a lot of who I am and what I believe in and what's important to me and what isn't. Uh, what's the big picture? What are things that matter? This book goes into that frame of mind. It's totally from the perspective of someone who has sat down with mind-expanding drugs and has had lengthy conversations about life in general, about the meaning of it, about um, just authority figures and, and how we're screwed every day of our lives by authority and things like that. And it's not all like, you know, it's not anti-government. It's not anything. It's, it's anti-limitation on our senses and anti-limitation of what we're like the whole thing with being able to teach what you want to teach in schools. Mm -hmm. If you have the desire to get these, to get this information out and there are things that are suppressing you and telling you that you're not allowed to teach what you desire, then what is, what is the point? You know, like you, it's, it's really, it's hard to explain without reading the book. Um, it's just it's super intense. Like I said, I've I've sat around. I had many many years where I would sit for hours and just talk to my friends about about all these different things and this book touches on so much of that. And it's it, it goes in a direction where it starts to almost become like a mystery. Like you start to wonder if what's happening isn't even real mm -hmm. or is real because they keep on they keep reminding you. They're like there is no gun. There are no bullets. There is no threat. And they keep telling them this. Mm -hmm. And you have the outside forces where the, the cops and everybody are watching this whole event unfurl on, the, on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And they can't do anything about it because if they, if they interject and they go in storming the place and they, they kill the kids and they stop the whole situation, then it proves their point that the government is just trying to suppress the information sure. that they're trying to give. Mm -hmm. And they're saying, we just want to we just want to tell you what we've discovered. We've been busy thinking about these things and doing these things, and we want to share them with you. Mm -hmm. um, towards the end of the book, there are several reveals about the situation. And not only do they turn the story on its ass, 
but it also reinforces all of the things that they talk about in the book. They talk about black holes. They talk about like different different levels of consciousness. They talk about relationships to God. Like it's just all this crazy, crazy, crazy introspective, nightmarish stuff that people are afraid to talk in, to talk about. People don't people in everyday life don't talk about this stuff. It's too scary for them. They don't want to think about their own mortality and whether or not we're just a spinal cord with shoes. You know, like or a brain in a box. Right. <laughs> Wild Children taps into that. And it's uh it's like uh one of those like, you know, voice of the uh, of of the misguided youth kind of things like from my era from when I was going to school. This is years ago. I don't do this stuff anymore, but when I did these were the things that I was concerned about and that I that I talked about with my friends and that we dissected. That's what the book does. And for me, that was like, it was awesome because I'd never read a comic book like that, that my friends that were with me back in the day, that I they don't need to be into comics, but I can go and I can hand them wild children and be like, dude, read this. And and call me later and tell me that this does not remind you of all that shit that we talked about back mm-hmm. then. And I guarantee you that that's exactly the reaction that it would be. And it's a very universal book. It's like picking up something by like Timothy Leary or reading like um, a Bill Hicks insert or Joe Rogan or something mm-hmm. like that. And just it's my favorite book because the idea that something like that is out there, that it is so different from all this other stuff that we're reading mm-hmm. – is tremendous. So I, I think it's great. Cool. Well, from your review on the site, which is beautifully written, and, and then tonight, what I got out of it is it's like every great conversation we've all ever had at three in the morning, at the end of a party, everyone's had exactly. a couple of adult yeah. beverages, <laughs> and the inhibitions are down, and you talk about everything. How it touches you, what it feels, what the whole world's about, what other worlds are about. Right. And those are the moments where all the most human. Right. And things are a little separated, a little fractured, and it turns into revelation for everybody. Well, let me tell you one thing, and then I'll, and then I'll get off the topic. But one thing about, about tripping in general, okay, <laughs> is there is a – whoever you're doing it with, there is a shared consciousness and a, and a camaraderie that forms on its own. You can go off and have your own adventures and do things or go to Sports Plus on two and a half tabs and run into people from high school <laughs> or go and see Varsity Blues and think that John Boyd is Kermit the Frog. <laughs> but the thing is, is that everybody that's involved in the trip is somehow linked. And when you you always, 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 always at the end of the night, it doesn't matter how it happens. They all come back together. And they have that final come down talk where everybody's trying to just relax and they all just talk about what happened during the night. And you get into some really intense, like dissecting the human mind shit. That's what this book does. And it spoke to me because of this, you know, this way that or this this lifestyle that I used to have. And it's just like I relived it all over again without having to resort to that stuff. And it Incredible. was great. Incredible. Yeah, it was great. Absolutely just awesome. How long is the book? Uh, it's not I very long. Know. It's a one-shot. It's, you know, maybe like three issues worth. Okay. I think it's like eight bucks or something like that. 
Yep. Like cover. So And the artwork is very cool. Uh Riley Rosmo is yeah. responsible for um one of the variant covers for Monocyte and uh Green Wake. Yeah. He did. And in this book Does he do Rebel Blood as well? Yes. Yeah, okay. Um the art is not as wild mm-hmm. in um there's no creatures. These are just kids in mm-hmm. a school, rude kids. I'll put that out there. <laughs> are there any other kind? Yeah, well they're they're I mean they're super, super, super smart, but because they know what they know now, and they've experienced what they've experienced. They no longer see a reason to not just give in to their desires, regardless of what it is or how extreme it might seem. Whether they're having sex on camera on YouTube, and you know, should we be doing this? What does it matter mm-hmm. tomorrow? What was it going to matter? Wow, you know, and and all of these things that I question, especially lately, on several decisions that I've had to make that I'm very like minded to this book that life is way too valuable, it moves too fast, and there are things that people harp on and connect themselves to that drain them. And there's no reason for it. Forget it. Move on from it. There's no time. There's no point. It will, it will only hinder you from, from being a better person and experiencing things that you could replace with, those, with that negativity and live a better life. Nice. So. Yeah, nice. some, some words. Heavy, to live heavy by. stuff here on talking. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I told, I told you before the podcast that I was uh, going to get uh, good for you. deep. I can't wait to read it. It is. It comes out today. Mm-hmm. It is totally worth your money. Um, I, I'm not going to apologize if it's not your thing because it will. If anything, it will. It will broaden your mind a little bit. That even if that's not a part, has never been a part of to to do mind expanding drugs has never been a part of your day. Um. You might be a little surprised. Yeah, not, not you're gonna run out and go and do stuff, but <laughs> um, it's different, and and different in the comic world is always good. Yeah, almost. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, almost. <laughs> um, what I will say is that about your review is that outside of well written, it is it gives you a sense of exactly what the book is going to be. So mm-hmm. if you read that review, even though Steve loved it, if you read that review and you go, "Wow, this sounds..." horrible to me like everything you're yep. saying and probably don't get that book but like if you listen to steve today you read that review and you have any interest i'd say pick it up because yeah. it's at least going to be a worthwhile purchase and it if it, nothing else you're supporting something that's different um, you know yeah. so well one little uh tidbit before we move on but uh, somebody had actually asked me about i wrote something about my dad um timothy leary coming around my mm. dad when he was younger mm-hmm. uh just to clarify that um my one of my dad's best friends when he was growing up, his father was a professor that worked with Timothy Leary. Okay. Timothy Leary's personal stash was shared by the friend's father and Timothy Leary, and they kept it in the house. And my dad oh, wow. used to take from <laughs> Timothy Leary's personal wow. stash. So there's a little uh, side story for you. There you go. Um, well, I want to move on to the next segment. But before we do that, I just want to really quick talk about Revival, uh, which is another book from Image that's coming out. This week, um, and not nearly as heady as the as Wild Children no. is, but still a mindfuck. Yeah, yeah. It's if you, if you think of a, of a story like you know, you think of like like Twin Peaks, which is a very easy comparison, or Fargo. Uh, uh, Revival is that kind of story where it has a very intense sense of place. You know, it fe- it feels like a real place, and Tim Seeley wrote it, and what he's doing is he's leveraging that thing that all these stories do, which is they show you the thing that's supposed to be the most wholesome 
in American culture, which mm-hmm. is the small town, and go, the very things that make it wholesome are the things that make it so bizarre. You know? That's great. You know, the rural spaces, the close-knit relationships, the kind of nepotism that happens everywhere, you know? And everybody knowing everybody. And in this story, it's a little Wisconsin town that uh, something's happened. People have come back to life who were dead. They're not That's zomb- always a problem. They're not zombies. It's not The Walking Dead. They're not zombies. They, they talk like normal people. They walk around. But the, this township has been quarantined by the government. And, but the town still has to exist. They still have to run themselves. They can't just go into nothingness. So um, the story, we, we meet our lead, uh, our lead character who's this um, police officer, much like you know Marge in Fargo. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has a son. And she, her father is like the chief of police. Um, and she's kind of the daughter who's always trying to impress her dad and never quite can. Um, and she gets kind of put in charge of this reviver's crime unit, which is any, any crimes that happen that have to do with these revived people, we need something to deal with it because stuff's starting to get out of hand. People are starting to think it's like the devil or whatever, and we can't have that happen. We need to keep this under control. Um, and so this story is really about her going on her first like call for that. And, I'm not gonna give anything away because it, it's there's a lot of twists and turns, but um, some crazy shit happens when I'd she gets so. to this place, and it opens up this whole idea of, of mystery and what's gonna happen. And you know, it has that same. It's very different in its subject matter, but that same feeling I get when I read the first issue of like Morning Glories, which is okay. I understand this world that we've set up, and now you've gone and completely flipped it on me. Right. I don't. I don't know what's going on. These aren't zombies, but they're not quite normal people. You know, this small town. I like these characters, so I'm worried about what's going on. And there's a big twist at the end that, you know, kind of is going to set obviously a lot of things on on its ear. Yeah, uh, it's great. If you like Twin Peaks, if you like Fargo, if you like any of these kind of small town like it, like Stephen, you know, Stephen King's it, mm-hmm. anything like that. These small towns gone awry stories. You're really gonna like this. It's it's a really well written book. Steve, you you read it as well. Yeah, right? I I read it and I really I was I've been jazzed about this for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, the covers to the to the com there's two of them mm-hmm. as far as I know. Well, there's a variant too, but mm-hmm. the two covers are just they're so striking. Yeah, and um, the content of the book I love how I love how much we were given in just one issue. Yeah, and all the things that were set up. Like I want to know more about them. There wasn't any one thing where I was like, eh, "Yeah, well, that just is what it is." Mm-hmm. Um, the vibe of it, the whole—I totally, totally from the first page got the whole Twin Peaks yeah. thing, and I love um, that was kind of like with um, Girls by the Lunar Brothers had the whole small town um, effect where it's just it affects only this you know tightly populated little thing. They can contain it, or can they? Yeah. Um, there's also other things going on that we're not going to spoil that are just super, super intriguing. You know, like you think it's about one thing you think, Oh, well, there's a, there's a virus going on. Maybe there isn't yeah. because there's other stuff in yeah. the book that we're not going to talk to you about, yeah. but, um, lots of questions, but every, instead of it being a question where I'm like, well, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where like, wow, I can't wait to find out how this is going to play out. Yeah. Um, starts your mind going, but you're, you're trying to answer the questions yeah. for yourself, but yeah. you know that you, none of them are right. It's, so one of gonna... the, it's one of those books that like, if people are looking to delve into something, like they get a lot of hero books, or mm. they like, people are always asking us, like, oh, you know, what should I pick up that's new? I want to try something different. 
revival is is definitely something that if you want something creepy, mm-hmm. you should definitely pick it up because it'll it'll do it for you. Yeah, absolutely. So that's it for our book of the week segment. Um, we're gonna come right back and we're gonna talk about Marvel now. now. Right when now now. Topic this week is to talk about the Marvel Now, now. initiative now. with an exclamation point. It is it, all caps exclamation point. Um, so uh, this made quite a stir when it got announced. Uh, the initial knee-jerk reaction from just about everybody on the internet was, "Oh my God, Marvel's rebooting their universe, just like DC did. The sky is falling. What the hell are we gonna do?" Um, so that's not what's happening. Um, basically, like what happens when, whenever Marvel ends a big event, they kind of switch up stuff that's happening in their universe. It just so happens to be the fact that, that this dovetails with the fact that Matt Fraction is done with Iron Man, Hickman's done with Fantastic Four, Bendis is done with the Avengers. So there's a major... Brubaker sh- with Cap. Brubaker with Cap, sorry. A major creative shakeup going on, so it allows them a chance to kind of just naturally shake up their universe because... Put a new writer on a book, things are going to change regardless. Um, so uh, the first thing they announced, uh, a couple books, right? They announced um, Uncanny Avengers by Rick Remender and John Cassidy, uh, which is a combination of X-Men and the Avengers. Um, and we'll get to that because I want to ask Rob, especially you, about this book. Uh, All New X-Men with, by uh, Brian Michael Bendis. And uh, art by Stuart Immerman. <laughs> I looked right at Bob when I said that. Fit. Uh, so it features the original five X-Men who have found their way from the past to the present, um, which then includes Jean Grey, obviously. Um, and then Avengers in December, taken over by Jonathan Hickman, uh, with art by Jerome Opeña, who does Uncanny X-Force right now, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, all right. So, I mean, the Avengers thing is not a surprise. Because that's kind of was the rumor for a very long time that Hickman was taking over the Avengers book. He's also taking over new Avengers, mm-hmm. um, all new X Men. We knew all new X Men is now going to replace Uncanny X Men, uh, uh, so that book is going to be gone for at least a little while. And um, they also announced today because the solicitations came out for Marvel. So, and this this I think reignited the flames uh, from a lot of people. Um, Cancel this came, the headlines of. Uh, uh, nine Marvel books canceled. And these books are Captain America, The Mighty Thor, Incredible Hulk, Invincible Iron Man, Fantastic Four, FF, Uncanny X-Men, New Mutants, and X-Men Legacy. Um, so, we'll, we'll ta- we'll, we'll, now we'll start breaking stuff down here. Um, first of all, the Marvel Now relaunch is meant to sort of do what DC did back in the 52, but without being so drastic, which is to allow people to walk into a comic book store and be like, oh, okay, this is number one book with characters I recognize. I can pick this up and read it. Um, I think people took that as meaning that Marvel was changing something about their comic book universe, and um, that's not happening. Uh, Joe Casada said we are not 
rebooting the, these characters are following the same continuity that they have followed. He even talked about DC and said they said they were doing a relaunch. They didn't really do a reboot. He's like it was you know in the end it was a little bit half-assed. Um, if we ever do that, don't make no mistake. It will be a full reboot. We're not going to do this. There's some history. There's not some other history. Mm-hmm. So that right off the I want to get that right the way right away because I don't want us to be part of that same din that's saying this is a reboot because it's not. Um, no, it's a natural follow-up to the storyline they're doing now. It's the AVX. Yeah, it's the fallout follow, of AVX, yeah. basically. Um, but, Bob, as someone who's seen several of these... <laughs> you, I'm looking at my... Do you guys have like three hours? I, I, um, look, I, I'm not going to go there. I, we haven't read these books yet. Mm-hmm. So as much as I'd love to rant and rave, and I still will by the end of this, I have the clothes for this. You have to let, let me this. I lived through Onslaught and the hideous Heroes Reborn, Jim Lee, Liefeld, craptastic, <laughs> Captain America, Fantastic Four, hideous universe. And they threw it away. But they're not repeating that mistake here, it seems like. So as much as I feel as if I've been cast away as a reader by this company as with DC last year, I have to at least give them the chance to do the thing before I get extremely insane. I will get insane eventually. (laughs) Trust me, when this goes as badly as I think it might with way too many Avengers and why the X-Men are present, and I'll rag on them when they come out, but I'm not going to add to this background noise and do it now. Buck, can I ask you a question? Just (laughs) No, but... You oh, yeah. get a rant in return. Go uh, ahead. Go ahead. Why do you think that they've, I guess, you know, forsaken you as a reader? <laughs> I don't. I don't quite under, I understand with the DC thing. I don't understand that with it's, this. It's. It has been in increments with them as opposed to the complete relaunch at DC. We heard after Avengers disassemble and Civil War and all the rest of it, we were going to have the heroic age, the return to a lighter Marvel universe that would have. Heroism and not dark, depressing death and devastation and events all the time. And we went right back to that thing. It would be nice if this semi-relaunch was a return to those original values of the Marvel Universe. Okay. I don't see that when we're going to keep addressing the last event with the newest event. I'd like to see lighter, fair here and there, and I'm not being a Pollyanna, but just over and over and over again, give me a break. Let me take a breath and, you know, around this table, um, I've managed to poison these two guys, Rob, though I know you've been reading Fantastic Four, (laughs) to the different sort of stories that can be told that are still larger events without it being the overriding, depressive death and destruction constantly. And this just seems more of that. Okay, I'll say this. I mean, yes, and you brought the, you actually made a kind of a little bit of a point for me in your own point, which is, yes, you don't like the Avengers run. You don't like the Bendis Avengers stuff. Very true. You think it's too depressing, it's too dark, and that's your opinion, and that's fine. There are things in the Marvel Universe that are lighter. You talked about the Hickman Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. We're reading Journey into Mystery by Karen Gillan, and... It has serious stuff in it, but it's funny and it's a little, it's kind of insane as well, um, but in a kind of genius way. Um, I think both Uncanny X Men and Wolverine and the X Men have a sense of 
fun to them. You know, I, I think that Mark Waid's Daredevil has a sense of fun to mm-hmm. it. I think those exist in a lot of places. I just think that you have to go past the Avengers books, you know? Which, though, has been the, the core thread now of the Marvel Universe for mm. seven, eight years, maybe a little more. Right. And Avengers Disassemble is how far back, Rob? Uh, that's been that's been about eight years. Yeah, that's right after Civil War, right? That happened like right after Civil War. Yes. Correct? Um, so I'll say that about that. Maybe that 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 one kind of central book is dark and depressing, but there's a lot of you know fingers in the Marvel universe, like you know going out from the spine, a lot of nerves going out from the spine that are very very good and light and, and fun and, and agreed. And yeah. we've all talked about some of them and read those. But if, if we're now turning over the whole universe into a relaunch of certain books. Yeah, I because mean, some are not around anymore. We're, we're, the whole thing is launching along that thread of, okay, the old X-Men are coming back because of the events of this. Mm-hmm. We have the uncanny Avengers that are formed because of the threat of what's happening here in AVX. So far, everything they're talking about, except what's left behind, X-Factor, Dance Lot, Spider-Man, mm-hmm. apparently. Yeah. Daredevil, I guess, is still... Daredevil's in, fine. In they, they said Daredevil is not getting touched. Uh, Rob, do you want to say something? Uh, yeah. Well, actually, uh, the disassemble stuff happened first, and then the Civil War oh, okay. after. Uh, but when the disassembled happened, that's right when New Avengers started up. And they kind of said, look, if the Avengers are the Earth's mightiest hero, then why isn't Spider-Man or Wolverine or all these other characters in there? So when you bring all of those characters into the Avengers, then yeah, of course all this stuff is going to touch the whole universe because you have Spider-Man, so that's going through the whole Spider-Man stuff. You have the mm-hmm. thing, so of course it's going to go mess And it was with. a total mistake. Okay. For, well, my, for my corner of the Marvel Universe, it was a terrible mistake. Understandable. That's opinion. They, they, cro- they always crossed into each other's books, but you know, I wrote an article about some of this, and it's to me, well, Ben Grimm is in the Fantastic Four. And Spider-Man and Daredevil function much much better as solo characters than in some group. And Wolverine, Stormer, and the X-Men. If we're going to have catch-all, I can have everyone in my books all the time. It's Contest of Champions. It's Secret Wars all over again. And I didn't care much for those either. Give me identities book to book and tell those stories. And they visit. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I just I think you still get those stories. And the greater picture included. Okay. Um, Steve, what about you? What do, what do you think about this whole... My cat's breath smells like cat food. <laughs> 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 what do I think about it? I'm up for it. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be Switzerland on it. Um, I haven't been in comics long enough like Bob to really be affected by it. Um, I don't feel cheated. I don't... I mean, things, things change every week. Every week we're finding out something else that upsets a whole other, you know, <laughs> slew of people. And we deal with a very vocal uh, – comics are a very vocal medium. For the, the teeny tiny little crowd that they consider us to be, we certainly have a lot of big mouths. And, you know, ours included. And um, I just – screw it. Who cares? Bring on the books. Uh, I'm a little upset that um, – Fantastic Four and FF, since I've recently fell in love with them, that Hickman will be leaving those books. I am totally willing to give Matt Fraction his shot, and I hope, I just hope that the the sensibility of those series 
carry over when he writes them. I, I hope that he gets that. I mean, the thing is, though, he's going to bring his own sensibility to it. Right, right. But it's, I'm just, I'm, I'm hoping that it's still, I'm hoping that it's still, I still get that, that satisfactory. Like, when I put down, once I got FF, once I, or Fantastic Four, once I started to follow along with it, and I, I caught up, I was very attached to what I was reading. Like, each issue, even though I haven't been around for too many of the new ones, when they came out, I was like, you know, jumping up and down. I was like, yes. <laughs> and I just, I want that to still be the case. I want to know that, you know, like if there's a Fantastic Four coming out, I still want to get that rush when Rob hands it to me in the store where like everybody else in the shop, they're not reading it. And they you know, no, no, no. And I'm the only one standing there like, give me that. <laughs> you know, I, I want that to still happen. Um, as far as the new stuff that they're launching, I'm not going to go through the list. Some of it excites me. Some of it I'm not reading, so I don't I don't care because I don't know. Um, hopefully, there'll be some some stuff that comes out that is good that I I need to start reading it. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, the the world of comics is always changing. Not that I'm saying I'm going to just lay down and let it roll over me, but there's not much you can do about it. No. You, you know, like in in a in a world where. All everybody complains about there being no new movie plots, you know. Like at least comic books are trying to shake things up, and they they're rattling you to an extent that even even if it's for the bad, at least they're affecting you in some way. They're getting a reaction out of you, and that's exactly what they want. You know, if you're not gonna if you're gonna bitch about something, the majority of the people that bitch and moan will still go out there. And buy the books. Mm. You know, we're always saying how in order to trash on something, you need to have experienced it for yourself. The Twilight series is a great example (laughs) of that, that Bobby and I both read those horrible, horrible books. I can trash it. It is a piece of shit. And I can say that because I slog through four titles of garbage. Um, Our sympathies. (laughs) I've never been the same. (laughs) <laughs> um, so I, I, I just say, bring it on. I, you know, we're going to read it anyway. Mm-hmm. We got this going on, so we're going to be checking mm-hmm. them out and I can only hope for the best. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to orient myself as we get farther into this to not dis to not disregard something just because it's different. Like the, the Batman earth one is, mm-hmm. is a, you know, there are aspects of it that I really did enjoy there were other parts of it that didn't hit for me mm. as much. Um, I mean, that itself is based off of ye- childhood years of knowing who Batman is. But this is different. Mm-hmm. I'm not as invested. These aren't. This isn't Batman. This isn't somebody I grew up with. These are characters that I'm just now getting used to. So if they're going to switch things up for a bit, sure. Why not? Um I want to ask you, Rob, about the creative teams we got going on here. All right. So, um, Uncanny Avengers, uh, this is Rick Remender and John Cassidy. What do you think of that team? Uh, I absolutely love it. Uh, John, John Cassidy, if anyone hasn't read, go ahead and pick up Joss Whedon and John Cassidy's Astonishing X-Men run. Yeah. Uh, first off, the writing in that is so amazing that you'll just read through it. Second time, they'll just sit there and stare at the art because his characterizations and uh, it just has such a realism to it. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to read the hell out of that book. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you're saying, Bob, about it being a response to AVX, um, what I've heard about it, it's started by Captain America because he feels bad. He feels like he didn't do enough 
for the mutant race in his time since he's been Captain America, so he wants to do be more, have a more of initiative about it. So that's what it that's is. That's lame. Can I say something really quick? That's lame. Captain America saved the Earth 400,000 times already, which includes the mutant race and the human okay. race. So that's lazy story writing for me. That's the, that's the Green Lantern, what have you done for the black people, Green Lantern, in the Neil <laughs> Adams issue. Yeah, you effing save the Earth a million times. You should shut up. Okay. Sorry. I will say this, Bob. Rant over. I will say this, and this is something that I think that anybody who's been reading any medium or watching a medium for a long time knows. Mm -hmm. You've seen Captain America save the Earth 400 times. Steve and I have seen him save the Earth... Twice. Twice. You know? Comics are an ever-evolving situation. I will also say this. If they're using character moment to create a new team, I see no laziness or bullshit in that. You you love Captain America as your favorite hero, so I feel like when I say something about Captain America to you, it's like I'm saying something bad about your mom. You know, yeah. you, th- that's how you react. Yeah. Yes, I do. That's how you react. Okay, so <laughs> this it's is the not American way. This is not Marvel saying fuck Captain America. He's a fucking asshole. He didn't help out those mutants. Fuck America. It's giving Captain America a- another character motivation because you got to keep it fresh. He can't just be always super confident. Um, Pro-American, man. No, There's got to no, be a going on. No, when Cap's done right, he's not the super confident. He's the thoughtful person who's given up the identity of Captain America more than once Okay, in the past. But to have it be on this Scott Summers complaining about you did nothing for the mutants when he obviously did is, is just putting – it's too easy a hook to stick in his mouth and lead him around. And that's – that annoys me. But are you saying right there that, that – Captain America is not super confident, pro-American man. He is thoughtful and thinks about other people. He has for basically since he's come back in 64. So you don't – you think that it's out of the question that the character of Captain America would do something like this if he, if he felt that he had done wrong? It is manipulating the character flaw into something else entirely for the sake of making their plot work. And that's the difference. I agree with you to a point, but I think they're using this to say, oh, look, we can have Cap say this, just, just as they had, the, had Reed Richards in their Civil War espouse a different position than he did when it was the, the Registration Act 10 years ago, just to tell the story. It's well, using the character in a way that they can now drive the sales forward as opposed to using the character as the character. So this is a, a larger issue, but this is what mm. I want to say. Most characters that exist outside of comic books, outside of Marvel, DC, long-running continuity characters, mm-hmm. they exist in their book or in their series of books that might take a total of six, seven years to write, maybe a year to write, maybe they have one instance. The character has a journey, and, and so if you're dealing with, like, say, a series of three movies, if the character does something wildly different in the third movie than they would have done in the first mm-hmm. movie – then, to me, that's, okay, they don't, they don't get this character. When a character exists for now, Captain America's been around for like 70 years – at this point, a little more, a little more than seventy years, you know. Or Reed Richards has been around for fifty years, sixty years, whatever it's going to be mm-hmm. at this point. You got to change up the characters. They can't be the same characters they've been for sixty years. I disagree wholeheartedly. They have to be the characters they were. There can be facets to the character. You turn it on its head completely, then you, you're you're uh, disavowing what the character was. 
you're being disloyal to its original creators, you're making a mess of things. Changing it, having growth is one thing. Turning it on its head is another, for the sake of selling books. Making a character into a villain, making Catwoman into super slot, whatever, <laughs> is, is wrong. Is just wrong. There's an on-model thing that needs to be done. It's why Dick Tracy lasted for however many years, unchanging, but different. It's that slight difference in, in the way you approach it to me that, that's a difference. Taking Captain America and making him into, oh, oh, I obviously didn't do right by everybody, and I'll turn it around. When he did and try, you could turn that story around into something that honors what he did and not dishonors what he did, and that's my point. We, we, we haven't seen the story yet, so that's the strap line for the comic. It's mm-hmm. not, we haven't read a, a, a word of it. I'm even angrier now than I was before. Um, Can I say something really Yeah, quick? absolutely, Steve. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. I'm going to yell. No. <laughs> well, the thing that I, I, I just thought of, haha, is um, the idea that them doing this, it also points to the fact that, well, not the fact, but the possibility that the events of AVX are actually going to have some kind of an impact on the Marvel Universe, yeah. which was one of, at least my, and I think I share this view, it's a lot of people. Yeah. Us. Everyone yeah, yeah. yeah, that yeah. it was one of our biggest fears that this was just going to happen. And it was just going to be a thing, and it wasn't mm-hmm. going to matter, and we already know how it ends, mm-hmm. and and that's that. But with them doing this, it says that these events are going to shake things up, and it's going to change at least a couple of key series, things that people are attached to, that we're now going gonna to take them away from you for a while. And you're going to have right. to let the events of AVX sink in and realize that the division of these teams and these people that they're off, they have different alliances now. That's what I wanted from AVX. So if that's the direction it's going, then huzzah. Well, and that's, that's okay. very good for that's you to very say. That's point. And I agree with you completely. That's what every fanboy says they want, but mm. then the moment that Marvel goes, we're going to change something, they go, fuck you! You're taking away the thing I fucking love! <laughs> and if it had been the opposite... Where Marvel had done nothing. It had just been, okay, Wolverine kills Hope. Wolverine kills the Phoenix Force. Everything's exactly the same. This is bullshit. Nothing ever fucking changes in this universe. And that is what drives me so crazy. Obviously. You know, it drives me up the wall. And Peter, David, actually mentioned that when he was here. You know, that everybody wants everything to change, but nobody wants anything to change. Yeah. And it drives me crazy. You know, it drives me crazy that you want things to change, and then when things are going to change... You complain that things are changing. I mean, Rob, you work in a comic book store, and it's ground zero for people talking about books, people complaining about books. <laughs> so what do you think about this? What is your opinion about all of this thing that's happening right now? Uh, I absolutely am super excited for everything mm-hmm. that's going to come. Uh, as a fan foremost, let alone a retailer, give me a good story, and mm-hmm. I'm, ha- I'm happy. You know, sure, some of the characterizations are going to be off. Uh, new writers, new series. But all in all, uh, if I get a good story, I'm, I'm very happy. Mm-hmm. Now, in the store, just picture Bob's conversation times 20, <laughs> 30. Yeah. Uh, it, it does. It gets heated. And to your point, uh, you know, people complain if something changes. People mm-hmm. complain, or the same people complain if nothing changes. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see, well, first off, having to correct everyone as they come in thinking it's a reboot because yeah. 
<laughs> it's, it's not a reboot. Get right. your speech so, ready. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I just want to put up a, cards. I'm putting <laughs> up a sign that says this is not a reboot. Yeah. Get a shirt. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll make no, one up. No, remake that LL Cool Don't J song. reboot. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> nice job. Uh, so, yeah, uh, in, terms, in terms of it happening, though, I'm, I'm all for it. You know, they had the chance to sit back for about a year, see how the whole DC thing panned out, and this is their counter response. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, I'm happy. All right, so we, we, we mentioned the first creative team there real quick. Um, for all new X-Men, the, Bendis is obviously writing it and bringing back the, the original X-Men to the future, which I think is interesting because it's sort of like, you know, all these stories we had where they went into the future and they hated what they saw. Now this is the future that they're going to come to and be like, wait a second, this isn't the future we wanted there to be. Everybody fighting, everybody infighting. You know, there's divided X-Men. You know, this is not what the vision of Xavier's school was not this. So, Rob, I want to ask you what you think about that premise and about Bendis attacking that premise. I think it's going to be very interesting. Uh, I, I like Bendis. I'm sure I'll get a lot of crap for that, but <laughs> <laughs> there, there's a lot of stuff Why are that, you looking at me when you say that? <laughs> no, the, the, there's a lot of stuff that he's done that, that has, has brought a lot of new customers into the store, gotten a lot of new people to read a lot of new series. Um, sure, he's a little wordy, I guess is what people say. Mm-hmm. But, hell, it's a story. Stories have words. Um, <laughs> well, it's true. Now okay. with words. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but in terms of that, that premise, I think that's, that's awesome. Uh, you have your Days of the Future's Past, and mm-hmm. just like you said, that this is it. It's, yeah. it's now. So mm-hmm. to have them come and, and see what's going on, and especially now with Jean Grey back, uh, it, it'll be excellent. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Good. What I hope is he brings his Spider-Man voice with him. From the, the right, the, that he addresses these characters who are from. We're not going to say they're fifty years ago, but certainly mm-hmm. they're from fifteen or twenty mm-hmm. within right. the continuity. And it is not quite so measured. Not so much in his voice, but in their voices, addressing what this future has become. Then I think you'd have something special. It's a commentary then on where we've gotten to from where we were. And that's what I'd like to see, because I th- things have gotten a bit off to where what their dream was. Mm-hmm. And let's see that split. Let's see. Uh, th- that would really make that a great book. Yeah, no, I highly suggest that... that- a lot of people just go back and read some of the Lee and Kirby stuff and just get a feel to how those characters spoke. And, mm-hmm. I mean, not... Back then, of course, they're going to use some some dated language, I guess you could say, but you'll get an idea of their mindset, I guess mm-hmm. you could say. Uh, Maybe so, even the Thomas Adams stuff right near the end. <laughs> correct. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, go back, read some of that stuff, and just get a feel for who they are, who they were, and... You could obviously see who they've become and just imagine that moment of, of them meeting themselves or, or whatever is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, we have Hickman obviously taking over Avengers with Apeña uh, doing the art. Um, Steve, I want to ask you. Yes. Because you love Jonathan Hickman. I do. What do you think about him taking over the Avengers? I'm actually really excited. Uh, about it because of the fact of, of that I enjoyed him so much on Fantastic Four. I'm curious as to if he can apply that same level. I mean, obviously he's, I don't want talent, he's obviously talented, mm-hmm. but to turn me on to an entire family 
the entire cast, not just like, oh, I like this character, I like that character. I like all of Fantastic Four. Since mm-hmm. I've been reading it, since I've, I read all of FF, um, Fantastic Four 600 to the current, so much fun. Character development, even in the short time that I've read it, I feel like I know these characters. Um, so, with that being said, if he's moving to something as big as like the official Avengers book... Mm-hmm. That could really do wonders, I think, for the Avengers, whereas the Avengers has been a little uh, brutal lately. It's been a little dark. It's been a little bit in your face. Hickman brings a sense of wonderment and fun to his series, but also does the serious stuff Mm -hmm. very well. Um, And he also, the one thing that you're getting with this writer is that Fantastic Four and FF, those books are huge as far as ideas go. Now, again, you take that and you apply that to the Avengers, you could have some really epic battles, some really cool plots. So, let's, you know, again, let's let's do it. Yeah. I think it's awesome. I, th- I think if they were going to put anybody on the Avengers to kind of give it a, a, you know, a spit shine, mm-hmm. that he was the right choice. So if he can't, if he can't write mm-hmm. Fantastic Four anymore, if he's not writing it anymore... And you're telling me that he's going to read Avengers? Mm-hmm. Then I'll read Avengers. I mean, I think you pretty much what, agree. That's about- what I'm hoping for: that he returns this to its core mission and gets away from some of what's gone on lately. Yeah, and he is—he's the guy in their stable of writers to do that right now. Well, it's like with with FF and what I mean with the Avengers is that I hope that he he'll do three issues or four issues in a row where things are like are are catastrophically huge and the world can end at any minute or, or an entire galaxy could collapse. If you're going to do that with the Avengers, especially a series that if people have not been reading comics, that because of the Avengers movie, people are now going to comics. My friend Mish just the other day was asking me, she's like, what do you have that's Avengers? She's like, what do you have in your house? What can I borrow? And I was like, I have a bunch of stuff. She's like, well, give it to me. I want it. And I'm like, you don't really read comics that often. She's like, I know, but I want to read that. So I'm intrigued. What did you give her? I didn't, I didn't stop at her house. I'm gathering a pile. Um, I haven't seen her again yet, but, um, now I'm off track. So (laughs) if, if you have Hickman who is going to bring those issues where it's like this big event and and the, the X-Men are in the shit and they're fighting and blah, blah, blah. And then after the event concludes, you can get an issue or two where they're just having a good time because that's what he does. Like FF will take a break mm-hmm. where you'll you'll go riding on an elephant, you'll go yeah. swimming somewhere, you'll mm-hmm. go to a you'll go inside the body of a friend and mm-hmm. fight an infection, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I it would be awesome to see uh, and maybe maybe bring in some really cool uh, cosmic angles to the Avengers. How cool would that be? Well, they that's one of the things they talked about uh, in the story. They talked about how the Avengers are no... They, they pointed out the Avengers are going to deal with forces not just on Earth, but in the entire galaxy. Yeah. And that's part of their initiative, obviously. That image they put out, the Marvel now image they put out, has Rocket Raccoon next to Spider-Man right. and Wolverine and the Incredible Hulk and all these other people. So they're, the cosmic angle is going to be a huge part of what they're going to do. See, that's what I want. Yeah, I'm down for that. Yeah, yeah. Last time I, I was on, I was talking about how the Avengers Assemble was kind of leading up to what Bendis was going to be doing in the mm-hmm. future. And rumors are that, that Guardians of the Galaxy is, is the title that he's going to be writing. They mm-hmm. haven't announced it yet. Right. 
Um, and they showed up. Uh, mm. Spoiler, I guess you could say. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that issue's been out for, for quite a while now. Mm. But they, they showed up in the current issue of uh, Avengers Assemble, and so that, that kind of just throws that theory along. And if they're popping in and Thanos is around, then, then yeah, they're going full cosmic now. Yeah, there's a limited series, uh, Thanos, Son of Titan, that's coming out. Uh, in Keating's the fall. writing Keating's that, right? writing it, yeah. yeah. Friend of the show, hey, Joe Keating. Joe. What's up? <laughs> um, so... Yeah, and what I will say, but you mentioned the writers and stuff and Hickman and everything, and this is the one thing that feels different than a lot of other, like you mentioned the the Heroes Reborn thing mm-hmm. and everything. This is an established set of writers that has been working in the universe already. It's not like they're bringing in people to change the universe. They're bringing, they're just switching around. They just happen to have this moment, and this is what they say in every, every interview, and it could be PR speaker or whatever, is that, listen, we had this moment where Almost all of our major writers were changing the books that they were on. There was never going to be a better time for us to mix things up a little bit. And um, I, I, can't, I never say his name right, but Tom Brevort. Brevort? Brevort? Is it Brevenport? Or is it Brevort? It's the executive the editor of, of Marvel. Um, I'm reading from a, a story on uh, USA Today, which was actually a great write-up about this whole thing. Very measured, very knowledgeable. Always the person who was writing it was, knew what they were talking about. Um, but he says a couple of things. He says, um, we hear from a lot of civilians who come out of the movies or see the cartoons and walk into a comic shop and they're all just overwhelmed. Where do I start? This is part of our solution for that, he says. Um, and this is part of it launching it in October and then rolling out between October and February a bunch of number ones so that every time somebody walks into the store, there's a Marvel number one they can jump on. Um, you know, and the other thing he says too is, if you tell fascinating, compelling stories, almost whether the readers like it or not, they'll feel compelled to come back next month to see what happens next because they're engaged and involved in the lives of these characters. They're invested and have been for so very long. So, you know, that's his mission. That's what he's saying. And it's mm-hmm. good to hear some, uh, you know, the corporate guy basically saying that. You know, it's about telling these stories. Um, I will say this. We mentioned the books that were ending um, They've already said Captain America is coming back. That he's going to get. A new, they're just redoing the numbering, and whoever the creative team is going to be coming back. Um, it's a little bit weird because they just changed the numbering not that long ago. But same thing with Mighty Thor, um, uh, and same thing with Invincible Iron Man. They already they already announced those things were getting, you know, basically relaunched when you know whenever they come up in the order of things getting relaunched. Um, Fantastic Four, they hadn't said it previously, but again, Marvel hasn't issued a statement about this. This is just the solicits. So if you look carefully at the wording too, you know, this is John Hickman's, you know, the groundbreaking run comes to an end. The only books that say, like, like really this is the last issue is New Mutants. It's, it says, you know, um, the series ending issue. And I can't imagine X-Men Legacy is going to be sticking around. Um, so boo, those two seem. But Rogue is going to be in another book, so it's Yay. yeah. She's being an all new X Men, I think. So you'll be fine. No, with she's that. in the uh, Uncanny, oh, Avengers. Uncanny Avengers. Oh, okay. But with so many months in between, though, the only thing, the only caveat to all this is going to be what happens in between. Where does this universe go over six months, mm. and then the relaunch of the books as they stagger them out? Where are we? Yeah. Do you do you come into a universe that is very different than the one that these characters left, and then where does what has to fit back in again? Is it a is it a semi reboot? Is it just a change of characters? Is it going to have to be a change of tone, even from what we're anticipating? 
you know, will anyone care six months out who gave up a book to pick it back up again if things have changed in between? It's a gamble on their part. Yeah, but I, I think you're going to get maybe a month, maybe two months for some of these books that are on the shelves. I mean, these are slizzards for October, you know, and they said by February, everything is back out. Everything's done. Mm-hmm. You know, it's everything that's, and it's not even everything that's, that, that's relaunching. I mean, most of the Marvel Universe is going to remain pretty much untouched. It's just some of the, the, these, the big books that we mentioned. I mean, one of the things that uh, Brevort said was everything is going to be a nice melting pot of Marvel Universe goodness. And he's talking about kind of the movie stuff and kind of making people more comfortable reading the books after seeing the movies. Um, you know, but he insists that the Marvel Now is not a reboot. This is the same Marvel Universe you were reading about the month before and the same characters. They haven't gone back to square one. All the history isn't out the window. Which I appreciate yeah. and love. And yeah. I want growth. Believe me, if I right. sound like a Luddite, I don't want it to come <laughs> off that way. <laughs> I just want it to be organic. Right. Like and that. not artificial. Um, it pretty much seems that Uncanny X-Men is ending, for now at least, while Uncanny Avengers and all new X-Men come out. Um, you know, which is a shame because I, I've really liked that book and I like how kind of crazy it is. But I also don't want 6,000 X-Men titles on the shelf, so it doesn't bother me that much. Um, and also, he's still writing during the mystery, so it'll be okay. And I'm sure that something's going to come out that he's writing something else. So, Rob, you look, you look like you're thinking about something. Uh, who's writing Journey? I said Journey into Mystery. Uh, who's uh, writing? Kieran Gillen? No, I thought that's done. I don't think so. Yeah, that, in the new solicit, it says that that's his last issue. Oh, this is, I don't see the, it on here, so that's why I wasn't like, Oh, okay, I read yeah. that too. Oh, yeah, okay. it's, it's his final issue. Of that makes journey. me sad then. I mean, they're not canceling Journey to Mystery. But, <laughs> um, so but, I'm sure he's doing something else because they're not going to be doing nothing. And the also thing, that this, this kind of reaction by the internet being like, these books are canceled. You think they're not going to cancel Captain America, Iron Man, the Hulk, with and movies, Thor. With movies coming. W- yeah, with, with the biggest movie of the last, you know, however many years coming out. Um, so those books will come back. Also, you know, they basically canceled all of Matt Fraction's books except Defender if, if you think they canceled them. And he's one of their biggest creators. So that's not going to happen. Um, uh, I mean, let's talk about this. Captain America. Rob, just this is wild speculation. Who do you think is going to take over? You think it's going to be a big name? You think it's going to be somebody we don't really know? No, it's, it's going to be a big name. Okay. Yeah, just, just with a movie franchise. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think they're going to stick along that, that line. Okay. Any, any wild guesses? Ooh. Come on, Rob. Speculate for us wildly. Okay, then I'll go with Fraction. You think Fraction take over Captain America? I think he's well. He's definitely he can handle multiple books. So, yeah, absolutely. So I could definitely see him taking a, that character over. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, all right. So I'm really interested to see like what is going to happen. I Good mean, uh, the New Mutants thing. I just started reading it actually recently off of the. Um, exiled Exile, event yeah. with Journey to Mystery, and it's good. I like some of the characters, but you know, it's obviously probably not a very self friend, high selling book. Yeah, <laughs> um, X Man. Uh, so, you know, this whole thing again, like what we talked about before, Watchmen. I, I, I hate to be quick to judge anything, and I like the creators that are taking over these mm-hmm. books, and I'm excited a- about what it could mean. I also like the last thing we'll talk about is the cover designs. They released the, uh, released the Uncanny Avengers cover, and what Casada has said is that they're trying to get away from the title on the top, always having to be on the top third situation, because you know, the reason that was put there was because books were on newsstands, and they had to, you had to be able to see the title 
you know, stacked up against each other, and that's not how books are shown anymore. So they, they've kind of gone to, like, a, they said they're looking to, like, movie poster design as more of a ethos for the way to design covers of the books. I don't think it's going to be for everything, but... There are still a lot of stores. You Midtown Comics and two big stores in Manhattan, everything is in pockets on the wall, mm-hmm. covered by the book underneath it. You're still going to have to have... It's like record albums. It was great. Let's have a an innovative record cover design and put the title more than halfway down. Good. You can't see the title anymore. And then they put a decal on the cover that said <laughs> Beatles or something. Well, you... you You've got to look at every retailer, right? And though a lot of them have tables with things mm. sitting on them, and that's not the way of every place. No, it's that's... not. But again, the way of every place should not hamper innovation because if you had to worry about what everybody was doing, you would never innovate anything. Yeah, I mean, some of my favorite covers from, from I mean, the history of, of comics are when the titles are integrated into the actual artwork, like mm-hmm. the Hulk breaking, you know, breaking... Yeah. The title but in it, half it still or... did say the Inhumans or that X Men cover with them breaking the Living Pharaoh breaking the cover logo at the top. It was still on the top. Well, no, there are some where it's laying on the ground or you know just shattered off the sides. So mm. you know you get them kind of everywhere. I mean, I'm all for if if they can come up with really interesting designs for the covers. I'm all I'm all for it. I like the recent cover for X Men Legacy with Miss Marvel uh, ripping open the front cover and stepping out. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. I know that was on your favorite covers of the week. It was. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And um, the favorite covers of the week is already up for this week. It is. Yeah. You're, you're overachiever this week. Yes. <laughs> There's a lot coming out this week. So some stuff, and I'm working on other bigger uh, things for the site as well. So some stuff. Had to get done ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So go and check that out. Uh, big Scott Snyder uh, yeah, nod. It was a big Scott Snyder week. They're fucking awesome, They dude. were awesome. That, that Batman cover is sweet. Yeah. And so is the uh, the Lord of Nightmares, mm-hmm. uh, American Vampire. That's a cool cover. Yeah. I can't wait for that. The only thing that's not cool on there that should have been on there is the Revival cover. Mm-hmm. But I forgot about it. So... You there you go. Just, yeah. For anybody that's listening, just picture it in your head for the next two seconds. <laughs> There you go. All right, there you go. <laughs> um, all right, so we got a couple comments about this topic that I want to go real quick. Um, Patrick, who is Repstones on Twitter, Aye. says, uh, Hi, guys. With regard to Marvel now, reading what they've got planned, you can't fault them for some ballsy moves, taking Hick- Hickman off Fantastic Four, just as, I, just as I get into them for the first time, after him reinvigorating Marvel's first family, as Bob has said on one podcast, and giving them a twice-monthly new Avengers style to run with. That could fail big time. I'd honestly prefer one solid book a month, but who knows? Hickman might pull it off. Remender's new Uncanny Avengers piques my interest, but let's face it, it's simply a cool title at this stage. I gotta be honest here, as I tweeted, I can't imagine Marvel attempting this if their distinguished competition hadn't just had such a success with the new 52. Some of those books that they're having a clear out on are pretty sweet at the minute, and I can see us lamenting this game of talent feng shui this time next year or even (laughs) sooner. Um, Whilst there are some pretty interesting ideas being put forward with Marvel now, one word springs to mind, gimmick. I pray to the gods of ink and color I'm wrong. Best regards, love the show, and keep up the great work. How many characters was that that he tweeted that? Is that what you said? No, no, he tweeted like part of it. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, no, this is an email. Oh. (laughs) Woo. Um, And he spelled color with a U because he's... uh, Of course. Now, I I should point out a lovely email from Patrick just just today. So thank you for (laughs) commenting since I'm not one of these Twitter persons. So to get a nice email was good. And I will respond more fully when I have some time. 
we were spot up on recording today. And and plus, you got to remember, Patrick, that uh, yeah, Hickman took over the Fantastic Four, but he also added FF to that, so mm-hmm. he was running two books simultaneously yeah. on one subject. He could easily do that with the Avengers. And forget about the fact that he's running FF and Fantastic Four. He's running Secret. Manhattan Projects. Secret. He writes a lot of indie books as well. So he he can handle his writing workload. So I don't think that's going to be a problem. Um, as far as its relation to the New 52, um, they're making a big PR movement out of this, but they put number ones on things a lot. You know, That's why we're at Captain America 19 when it's been a book for 70 years. Yeah. You know, So that stuff happens. That's why we're at Mighty Thor number 22 and, and stuff like that. So, you know, I don't think it has much to do with the DC New 52 at all. I don't know. What do you think, Rob? I think it's, it's mix and match. Like mm-hmm. I said, I, th- I think they've had time to sit back and, and kind of see what DC did and just strategize and formulate their own plan on, on how to go forward with it. Um, just hands down, number one's sell. Mm-hmm. That, that's the whole point. Uh, they're going to make money off of them. It's going to bring tons of new readers in. Uh, the DC relaunch did. And yeah, I mean, stuff trickles down in quality or people realize that a series might not be good. But in order for someone to find that out, they're going to have to pick the first issue up. And that's a chance they might not have taken if it was like New Mutants 80. If it's a New mm. Mutants 1, more people are likely to pick it up. Right. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. But you do want those number ones to be those jumping on points. Mm-hmm. Um, now, for whatever it's all worth, DC's internal tracking numbers don't show that they pulled a lot of new readers. Uh, as a matter of fact, <laughs> 4%, according to their own in-store surveys, 4%. And their, the online survey of ages 13 to 17, 1% of their readers. Mm-hmm. So without feeding the bottom of this Ponzi scheme with new readers the whole thing is a failing enterprise 10 years out. Well, yeah, 10 years out, but in a single store level, like for me, mm-hmm. it was a success. So I'm calling it a success well, on my level. As, as, well, as well you can, but in terms of the larger business model of it, unless we find new people to read these books, and it is about energizing new readers, we got to be careful. If you cheese off enough of us old-timers, and granted, we should only be doing this five or six years at a time, probably should have been gone long ago, Mm. but they've held on to everybody and now not fed the machine. Well, like I said, it's also, it's, you got to get kids into the stores, Mm -hmm. and I'll I'll keep saying this, uh, but quick story, about two days ago, uh, a kid came in with his dad, he was probably about 14, 15, Uh, He was going away on a camping trip, uh, off to camp, and wanted something to read. Never been in a comic store before. Uh, His father used to read comics when he was a kid. So I gave him a couple of storylines from the original Ultimate Spider-Man series. And the next morning, I opened up. They walked in. He stayed up all night, read all those issues, bought the rest of the series. So when he goes away, he actually does have stuff to read. That's great. So yeah. That's what it's about. Yeah, definitely. That's that's what the industry needs is is the kids. Mm-hmm. They also need more stores like Tor Comics where people will actually. Uh, no, I'm no, serious. No, that's per- no, you're absolutely. No, they, right. they need more stores yeah. where, like, the day that I walked in there, you and I spent two hours hanging out, just bullshitting before the the books showed up. I don't get that in other stores. 
I've walked into other stores. They didn't even want to talk to me until they knew that I had a podcast. Once they knew I had a podcast and a successful website, I'm now suddenly I'm their friend. And you know, oh, well, I noticed that, you know, you're not really picking up as many books as you used to. Yeah, it's because I found a store that treats me better <laughs> and gives me better deals than you do. And I only come to you if by any chance they don't get something, which as you can see by my two-issue pile here, I'm pretty well taken care of. So here's my $7.43, and I'll be on my merry way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, th- there's stuff like that. I just wish that it, it wasn't like that yeah. in, t- in terms... Every, everyone needs a store where they feel comfortable, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. you could actually sit and talk to the people, where you can get stuff recommended that you might not have read. Uh, and if you're not getting that service, then go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, we had a couple of Twitter comments about this uh, Marvel Now stuff. Um, uh, uh, Crouching Otter on Twitter <laughs> uh, says, so the thing for me is, will the Marvel heroes finally find time to tackle the villains as opposed to always fighting each other? Uh, Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, Theodore Bond on Twitter says, like most folks, I fear, I fear change to things I love, but as a kind of mature adult, I'll reserve my judgment until I see what they do. Very nice. Yes, that that's how it should be. Yeah. Uh, Super bad. Larry says, "Uncanny Avengers sounds interesting, but I'm going to stick with testing single issues out digitally until some trade paperbacks drop." Um, mm. He also said, "I'm more excited about uh, the Monkey Brain Incorporated's progress. I'll be looking for the growing roster of titles there." We don't talk about Monkey Brain. Um, it's a story on the site about it, though. It's a digital initiative by Chris Roberson uh, and. The comicsology exclusive titles they range from ninety nine cents to a dollar ninety nine. All creator owned stuff, and in fact, Monkey Brain only owns the rights to distribute them on comicsology. If Image wanted to come in and pick one of those books up, the creator could sell it to Image and make money off of that. That's great. So, and they also uh, Monkey Brain only takes enough cut to pay for advertising. Everything else goes to the creator. That's so, cool. This was a really cool initiative, and Roberson also has a uh, a book on there. Um, I can't remember. It's something Rex. Which I can't remember the title. I want to read. Oct- um, I think it's called October Girl. Yeah, I want to read that. Mm-hmm. The artwork, the cover for the the comic is just like it's right up my alley. Mm. So yeah, t- if you guys haven't checked that out, definitely check that out. It's a really cool thing. Um, uh, Raj Kalamani says, "Sounds like a less drastic New Fifty Two. Um, also, start with the big movie franchises: Avengers, Guardians, mm-hmm. Spider Man, X Men. Uh, which yeah, that's what they're doing, basically." <laughs> um, so that's it for the, the Marvel Now stuff. Um, anything, anybody have anything else to say before we uh, move on from this topic? Bob, do you have any last salvos to throw across sure. the bow? Sure. Well, again, hopefully by the time these books <laughs> relaunch, I'll really care. Because otherwise, I was trying. I was looking at what my list could be. I'd be buying in a month X-Factor, Batgirl, World's Finest, and The Rocketeer. <laughs> which is pretty drastic from where I was and even more from where I came a year ago with the new 52, I'll be down to next to nothing. So well, you're what? not even going to try in the new book? Sorry, Rob. That's yeah, okay. but I mean, th- they're canceling the things I was buying. So now I'm forced to rebuy or retry new things. I will try the Hickman mm-hmm. because I love what he writes. Some of those other ones, probably not. So when Fantastic Four comes back with Fraction writing it, you're not going to buy it? That could be so many months out. I don't know where, as I said before, I don't know where this universe will be when we get to that point. Well, and hopefully I mean, it will matter. Will I try one because I own every single one since 1961? Yes, I'll have to. Could that be as much the jumping off point as the jumping on point for other people? That's a possibility too. 
That, that makes sense. Yeah. Rob, do you have anything else you want to say about it before we uh, move on? No, no, I've gotten all my thoughts out. Steve, anything? I'm good. Okay. Um, so before we get into our list of what's coming out today, um, I want to go over a couple other things that uh, our great listeners wanted us to talk about just really yes. quick. Um, so, oh, I Am Giant Woman Yay. wants to know how we organize our comic books because her and Mr. Giant Woman have a disagreement about how to do. Can I go first? Yes, absolutely, Steve. Go right ahead. Yay. Okay. Well, what I like to do is I like to get the long boxes, which uh, are always a good investment because they keep all your stuff safe. And I did start out bagging and boarding every single comic that I bought. This ended um, a few months <laughs> back when I realized that it's just too damn expensive. So uh, I took a cue from Rob, who suggested to me, and I totally abide by this, um, bag and board, single bag and board uh, with current um, boards and whatever, uh, your number ones. And then whatever you have after that, if it's a big series like two through six or whatever, you can buy the Silver Age bags with a current board, and if you insert them into there, you can fit comfortably, without ruining anything, about five comics into one of these bags. Um, they mm. Nice and snug, keeps them totally... Everything that you could want to protect your comics for, it does it. Don't waste the money. Uh, as far as how I keep them, uh, I recently fixed up a room in my house to be a room dedicated solely to keeping my comics. I keep them in alphabetical order, and I keep them uh, in order by publisher. Okay. So I have a couple of DC boxes. I have uh, at least two Marvel boxes. I have a Spider-Man and X-Men, uh, X-Men box. And then I have my independent boxes. Um, I have miscellaneous sections in each one, but they're very small. But for the most part, just alphabetize. Alphabetizing is the easiest way. Or if you have something like Spider-Man where there's tons of different ones... Mm-hmm. Try to alphabetize, you know, amazing before ultimate, so on and so forth. But then with all the mm-hmm. one shots and spinoffs, just when you're done with the bigger, bigger stuff, just keep them in the back, and that's it. And every every time you get a variant, bag and board the variant, even if it's like if it's number thirty four of something, it doesn't matter. Bag it up. There you go. <laughs> that's what I do. That's how I roll. In in terms of my stuff. Uh, throw it all in a basement and then get friends to come over and help you organize it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so all my extremely old stuff, that's all bagged and boarded, separated. In terms of anything in the last, like, 20 years, it's it's just sitting in some sort of box (laughs) somewhere. And, yeah, like like Bobby was saying, I'm just way too overwhelmed. I mean, there's well over... 250,000 books down there that, mm-hmm. that I, I'm just, I don't know, I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> so my initiative is, is within the next year, you know, I have people come over, we have a couple of drinks, hang out. End and of the year. We'll get it done. Well, yeah. I'll yeah. get it done. And, and just getting it, getting it done the, the, the proper way, uh, you know, like when you go into a store. I mean, if I'm looking for something, chances are that it might take me a half hour or so to find mm-hmm. it, but I'll find it. Yeah, it's a good time too. Yeah, organizing the time. Tell, tell, tell me that with uh, Batgirl. Remember that? It, we found it. Yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Bob, uh, the last five or six years are kind of a mess. <laughs> They're arranged by title in 
smaller boxes because as I've gotten older, the long boxes are a little much to slog around at 50 and 60 pounds with the new paper. I agree. Uh, so I use smaller boxes. I've got those shelves you see in warehouses in what was mm-hmm. my parents' bedroom that is now just filled with shelves and a giant pyramid of boxes that's growing in the room. Uh, unfortunately, of late doing research for articles, my living room is now filled with comic books, <laughs> which it wasn't supposed to be, but now they're all over the floor. Oh, I need this issue. What? Who wrote that? Who drew that? So I need to have you guys come over and organize mine at this point, <laughs> I, I, or, I, or I have to hire a maid or something to, to clean this mess up. I gave up boarding and bagging a long time ago. I went through an entire run of Mylar's and Mylites and everything else, and anything that was expensive went in Mylar, which don't fit in boxes unless you cut off the top, which gets to be aggravating. As I, When I ripped my Marvel team up right up the back cover with a <laughs> sharp Mylar bag, um, it's just, as you're saying, it's just too expensive to go over and over and over again. It, I like the Silver Age bag idea. It gets really expensive. The Silver Age bag thing is a really, really, really good thing to get used to. Um, I was a little wary about it because I'm like, oh, well, you know, what if it gets hot? And, you know, oh, I pull out a cover one day and I bend the corner. I've been doing it. It doesn't happen. If you care about your comics enough to bag them like that as meticulously, keep them in good shape, alphabetize them, have them organized – you're going to be careful about taking them mm. out of the bags, and you're not going to ruin anything. And let's be honest, if the corner of your number four or even number 17, whatever, gets a little bit bent, if you put it into the the, the five-issue bag and you leave it in there for a little while, guess what? It's going to flatten out on its own <laughs> over time, and by the next time you take it out, it's going to be fine. Absolutely. Um, what do you do, Bob? I'm so much less impressive than any of you. Like I, 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 I'm buying physical books. And I don't I, even know where the hell you keep them, dude. They're just where in are that they? box. What that box? one long box right there? One? Yeah. Shh. Yeah. Well, I don't buy six thousand books a, a week. I pick the, up your haul every week. You've yeah. been buying some books, buddy. I know, but I don't buy as many back issues as you do. Well, then step it up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't have a whole yeah. lot of Supergirl or Batgirl. But one day I will have all of the Mark Wade. Flash. It will happen eventually. Um, so, I mean, I just, you know, right now, because I don't have that many, I, I usually like stuff I really like, I bag and board, but I'll probably am going to do that, what you, what you said. So, if I'm like, eh, whatever, I'm not going to buy another one, I just kind of throw it in a pile, and it's kind of like my giveaway pile. It also looks uh-huh. really nice when you take the top off of that box yeah. and you see those those five mm-hmm. packaged ones, they're nice and meaty. <laughs> I like it. Uh, Does anyone do creator boxes? I end up separating things. I, people out who do work for a I lot could. of companies because I want to look at all the John Byrne. Yeah, my, if I had um, enough of that, I would probably do that, yeah. My Zenoscope section is getting uh, pretty ridiculous that I'm going to need to dedicate it to its own box uh, probably within the next month or so. Um, Repstone's actually another question for us, and I'm, kind of, I'm actually very glad you're here, Rob, because I don't think we could answer this if you weren't here. Um, he says, anyone at Talking Comics anticipating Logan's introduction into the Max universe? Uh, and he says, if you could pick any comic book character to put in Marvel's Max universe, doesn't have to be a Marvel character, who and why? So I don't read any of the Max books, so why don't you first say what the Max books are, and then say if you're excited that Logan is going to be in it. And I have one extra for that. Okay. Uh, yeah, so the Max universe is basically like Marvel's rated R, okay. you know, no kids allowed kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So they've done Punisher and, you know, All Out, Bloodfest, uh, they 
they have Fury Max going on right now. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be doing a Logan book. So basically all the gore that you, oh. you kind of won't see in, in mainstream comics. Mm-hmm. So it's his own title, but it's a Max title. Correct. I th- okay. I thought that they were bringing him in as a part of Punisher Max. All right. That, I'm, I, I had a... a shitty answer for him earlier but now that i know what it is that's that's cool i might actually read that yeah there you go well it's it's funny because about a couple of years ago they did uh wolverine the best there is uh and that should have been a marvel max title because mm-hmm. there was a huge right on the cover it said parents this is not for kids that that's basically what the max universe well, was. wasn't there a recent issue where he got he got cut in half with a chainsaw in one of the x-men books no, which one was that? I, I wrote it down some months ago. I remember I was going to talk about it, and it, it went away from us somehow. But it's sort of, okay, when did his mutant healing power become a Looney Tunes healing power? <laughs> he cut in half with a chainsaw. He grow a spine from each side. I mean, what goes on there? But anyway, I think in the Max universe, I want to see Willie Lumpkin or, or maybe Millie the model. That's, that's who I want to see. <laughs> well, that's a hooker and her pimp. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice. Very nice. I'll buy it. Um, <laughs> so I hope that answers your question. Uh, oh, did you? Sorry, one character you'd put in that universe? Ah, ooh. Well, they already did a Spider-Man one, right? So that, that kind of takes that <laughs> off the table. Uh, Something Marvel could be any character. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. Well, go around, see if anyone else has an answer, and I'll okay. see Rogue if I come Max. up with a Rogue, Rogue Max. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. She's that badass. I mean, I would. She say, would be in a, in a Max universe. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Batman would be an obvious one. Yeah, to definitely. see what that would be like, you know. See, it really. Happened. Oh, it does. Okay, it could be anything. They said any character. Hmm. Yeah, because the thing is, Batman's Lenore. like, I don't kill anybody, but he he must put more people in the hospital than any person's ever existed. <laughs> and some of them might die eventually. Yeah, yeah. they get the flesh-eating virus. He's in like, the I hospital wish I was dead. My medical um, bills are so high. <laughs> and I don't have insurance. Yeah. Thanks for not killing me, Batman. You broke both my legs. You shattered my ribs. How about, and my spleen uh, has yeah, to come out. Yeah. Robin Max. That would be awesome. Oh, my God. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Robin yeah, Max. I Why love not? Robin. Why not? <laughs> that would be or awesome. Just all the Robins. Yeah. Why haven't they made that book? That's yeah. been such a rumor for so long. Yeah. I just want a total Robin. Now he's book. the man wonder. <laughs> all of the Robins. That would be an awesome book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the rumor going around, but yeah. we'll see. That would be awesome. They yes. all do exist in the DC New 52, so that would definitely work. Um, so, okay, so a couple of weeks ago, um, Rob was generous enough to donate a signed copy of oh, right, Scott right. Snyder's Batman number one to us, and Steve laid down the gauntlet. He said, yes. you have to create a new Batman villain for us um, and tell us what he does and why he does it. Correct. Yes. His motivation. Well, yeah. You, you needed. You needed to. The rules were that you had to be a. You had to be creative. B. You had to use the podcast. Use what you know about mm-hmm. us. And you know you could be serious. You could be funny. Mm-hmm. You could be creative. Whatever you want to be. But it, it had to be something that would speak to the podcast. Those were the rules. Right. We got a, a lot of entries. More than I expected us to get. And people spent an. An ordinary amount of time coming up with... <laughs> yeah, there were a few that were really, really well thought out and very intricate. Yeah, so everybody who entered, thank you so much. It was amazing. We're going to have more of these giveaways. Don't worry. Um, so impressed with everything you did. Unfortunately, we don't have the time to read out everything you guys wrote to us. Um, but, you know, I-, I told Steve today, we're going to give it away today. Pick a winner. And uh, 
she picked a winner, and it was the same person I picked when I read the email. Yeah. Um, it's the clear winner, and you guys will hear why when I reread the email. So this is Harry. Um, I don't Congratulations, his, Harry. Yeah, I don't want to say his last name, but we'll email you and get your address so we can send you the book. So the name of his villain is Sinister. <laughs> Created <laughs> in the same gamma ray bombardment that also birthed the Talking Comics podcast, Sinister exists only to destroy Batman's image in the eyes of the Gotham public. After his critically panned Bat-Pup, a poorly written made-for-TV movie made with little people in dog costumes, failed to destroy people's love for the Dark Knight, Sinister moved on, developing a ray gun that causes anyone that mentions the name of any comic book creator, writer, or illustrator to horribly flub the name. For a period of time, Sinister tried to break the bat by creating his own Batman comic book series, which ignored longtime established continuity, left questions, un- <laughs> left questions unanswered, created filler issues to fill a trade paperback, and was, in every sense of the word, unnecessary. His signature move is called Stirring the Pot, where he makes the Sinister Mobile out on the streets of Gotham and uses a PA system to complain about how he hates Batman but still buys every issue of the Batman comics. Sinister operates with his sidekick, Little Audrey. He would be played in the upcoming Justice League movie by Michael Fassbender. <laughs> so thank you, Harry. Uh, you have won. Yeah, that's the clear one. Uh, a that's signed it. copy of Scott Snyder's Batman number one. So Absolutely. congratulations. Congratulations, uh, Harry. It was awesome. That was, that was Great awesome. Job. And humbling that, that many references to things that we just say in, on microphones. I, I, I read I read that and I said yeah. yeah I'm like that's that's the one that was that played that played to the rules so well good yeah. job man you did great yeah that was that was great so I'll be emailing you and we'll get your address and you'll get that Batman comic um, so we're gonna go over the releases for this my favorite part here of the we week. go is so a lot oh, of God. big titles today I'm just thinking about how much money I'm gonna spend as I read this out money 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 money. <laughs> So we shall start the OJ's reference for the evening um, with Boom Studios. Ooh. So we have Adventure Time, Marceline and the Scream Queen. Yeah, <laughs> number yeah. one, my favorite character of the series. Um, and that's that's it. There's some trades coming out for them, but that's the oh, and Extermination number one, but that's the second printing. So mm-hmm. don't worry too much about that one. Uh, Dark Horse Comics. We have Black Sad, a Silent Hell hardcover is coming out. There will be actually a review of that on our site. Hmm. Um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 9, number 11. Conan the Barbarian, number 6. Creepy Comics, number 9. Um, Eerie Comics, number 1. Um, where we got Massive, number 2. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Star Wars Night Errant Escape, number 2. And Strain, number 6. We also have Orchid Volume 1 trade paperback, which there will be a review of that on our site as well. Um, from DC, here we go. We have American Vampire, Lord of Nightmares, number 2. Uh, Batgirl, number 11. Yay. Yeah. Batman, number 11. Yeah. Batman and Robin, number 11. Yeah. Batman, Arkham Unhinged, number 4. Mm. Before Watchmen, <laughs> Minutemen, number 2. One more time. Mm. Uh-huh. Deathstroke, number 11. Mm. Demon Knights, number 11. Mm. Frankenstein, Agent of Shade, number 11. Yeah. Uh, Grifter, number 11. Mm. Legion Lost, number 11. <laughs> um, Punk Rock Jesus, number one of six. Oh, yeah. Great title. I can't wait. <laughs> totally fucking getting that. Uh, Ravagers, number three. Resurrection Man, number 11. Mission Man. <laughs> Saucer Country, number five. Yes. Shade, number 10 of 12. Suicide Squad, number 11. Superboy, number 11. Swamp Thing, number 11. Sweet. Um, from Dynamite, we have Garth Ennis's Jennifer Blood, number 14. We have George R.R. R. Martin's A Game of Thrones, number 9. We have Kevin Smith's The Bionic Man, number 10. 
We have Kirby Genesis, number eight. <laughs> we have Lone Ranger, Snake of Iron, number one. Oh, who cares? Uh, we have Panther, <laughs> number two. Panther. Yeah, Panther. We have Queen Sonia. With an A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have Queen Sonia, number 30. Um, and that is it for Dynamite. Moving on to IDW. We have After the Fire, 100-page Spectacular. We have Battle Beasts, number one. Oh, boy. We have The Crow, number one, or just Crow, number one. Can't rain all the time. Uh, can't <laughs> rain all the time. Doctor Who, 100-page Spectacular. G.I. Joe, number 15. Godzilla, oh, it's second printing, sorry. But Godzilla, number one, second printing is coming out. So anybody who missed Godzilla the first time around, there was a lot of people chance. buying that book. Yeah. Smoke and Mirrors, number four. Yay. Um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Color Classics, number three. Ooh. Transformers, Regeneration One, number 81. <laughs> and, which, too many numbers. Yeah. And Transformers, Regeneration One, 100-page spectacular. From Image Comics, we have Bulletproof Coffin, Disinterred, number six of six. We have Chew, Secret Agent Poyo, number one. It's a one-shot. <laughs> That's awesome. I can't wait. Um, Dancer, number three. We have Enormous, number one. We mm. have uh, The Heart Trade Paperback. We have Hoax Hunters, number one. Little Depressed Boy, number 12. <laughs> Peter Panzerfaust, number five. Planetoid, number two. Yay. Revival, number one. Yeah. Uh, Walking Dead, number 100. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, little book that's coming out. <laughs> a little, uh, a little know bit. About it. yeah. It's a Cinderella story. What's Walking um, Dead? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know either. A bad TV show. I'll have to look that up. Uh, Wild Children, uh, one shot, and Youngblood, number 72. Mm -hmm. Um, We didn't mention either that the the team behind Chew is, well, the writer behind Chew is taking over Detective Comics. That's over. Yep. And uh, we mentioned Star Wars before. I believe do not hold me to this. I think there's a possibility that Brian Wood might be taking over a Star Wars book. Yes, yes. Hooray! Just just called Star Wars. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. Um, it's about Luke and Leia and Chewie and Han. Real Star Wars. Yeah. Maybe Fiona Staples uh-huh. could draw it. Make it happen. She was very excited about it on Twitter today when I got announced. Yeah, I could tell by the... Ah! <laughs> yeah. Um, Marvel Comics, we have Ant-Man Season 1 hardcover, which is the only Season 1 book I've even been slightly interested in picking up. Uh, Avengers Assemble, number 5. Avenging Spider-Man, number 9. Yay. AVX, very important. Yeah. Uh, Captain Marvel. AVX versus number 4. Mm. Captain America, number 14. Dark Avengers, number 177. Defenders, number 8, which I'm going to have to start fucking buying now because I'm Bob. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Fantastic Four Annual, number 33. Yay. Uh, we have whoa, New Avengers, number 28. We have New Mutants, number 45. Scarlet Spider, number 7, which has an awesome cover, which was in your... Yes, it is. And that, that's been really cool. Yeah, that book is really awesome. enjoying that. Yeah. Space Punisher, number one of four. <laughs> which is one of the, that's one of the worst titles ever. Or one of the best titles. <laughs> Boldly killing where no man has gone before. <laughs> um, Spider-Men, number three. Yeah. Uh, Takio, number two. Hooray. Or Takayo, I don't know. Takio. Takio. Okay. Um, Ultimate Comics X-Men, number 14. Yeah. Uncanny X-Force, number 27. Venom, number 20. Um, Wolverine and the X-Men, number 13. Yes. What are you shaking your head about? Uh, it's just a crazy week. It's a lot of stuff, right? <laughs> Um, you got to get mobbed. The vultures are coming. Yeah. Uh, from Oni Press, we have Bad Medicine, number three. And from Dennis, De- Deniscope, Zenoscope, we have <laughs> Call of Wonderland, number two of three. Yep, the lead into the ongoing that's going to be coming out soon. It's mm-hmm. a big, big ass week that yep. we're looking at. Mm-hmm. Get your wallets. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. 
You need your wallet to get your wallets. Pay for some, what? What do you want me to say? It's supposed to have your wallet with you, your yeah. license and stuff in it. Fine. You know, when you're driving, get your money, people. Yeah. Okay. Go to the bank. There you take go. Take out. Go know, to the bank is a better one. Talk or, to your teller. Yeah. Or like, get, just get your wallet ready. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Fine. You know go what? <laughs> Screw the two of you at this table. I don't have any money. In no, my Bob's wallet, Bob. For me and Bob will hang out. Yeah. You can go blow. <laughs> Bob made fun of you too. I did it first, actually. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, can so I just can I just be? <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's it's for it for the show. But before we go, uh, next week is our big women in comics week. We have a big week coming up for you. Um, Steve, Bob, and myself are all doing top ten female characters yeah. lists. Um, Bob has an editorial about Sue Storm. He has an editorial about the Golden Age female superheroines. Mm-hmm. Um, we have. Written interviews. We have character spotlights. We have, um, we have a review of Captain Marvel, the the new Kelly Sue comic book. Which, speaking of that, she's going to be on the podcast next Wednesday. Um, she is. Yes. We and also have. Do, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, we, we have, have much more. Guests? I haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. Um, next week's going to be kind of special because um, Monday you're going to get a interview with Fiona Staples coming out. That's right. Um, right on your feed. So. Um, and then Wednesday you'll have a regular podcast where we'll do a regular show and we'll also talk to Kelly Sue DeConnick who is writing the uh, new Captain Marvel book and then on Friday you're going to hear an interview with Trina Robbins um, who is absolutely delightful can I, yeah, can I say something yeah. about Trina Robbins <laughs> yeah. I had no idea what we were walking into she was spectacular yeah. I want to go and have tea with her <laughs> I want to go to her house hang out and just just spend all kinds of time. She was amazing. Mm-hmm. If you don't know who she is, you need to listen to that interview. Us hanging with her, so much fun. So she much was, information too. Uh, in a in, lovely everything, way. information, perspective, funny, charming, everything. It was it was so much fun for us. I really hope that you check it out. Yeah, you definitely check out check out the Fiona interview as well. These are you know they're going to come out, and if you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. They'll come right to your feed just like the normal one does, but maybe you're not seeking them out because you usually come on a Wednesday to look up the show. You're going to have a show on Wednesday, uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Um, the Monday and Friday shows are going to be shorter. They're going to be 20 to 30 minutes because there's going to be the interviews, and with the Wednesday show will be a normal length. But we urge you to listen to all of those shows because they've all been great. Um, if you guys have some of your own favorite female creators or characters, send them into us, info at talkingcomicbooks.com. Let us know um, what you guys think. Uh, at Talking Comics on Twitter, and of course, uh, Talking Comics on Facebook as well. Um, download the podcast on iTunes, mm-hmm. or go to talkingcomicbooks.com, where we have articles, uh, reviews, you know, lists, the podcast goes up mm-hmm. there. Uh, interviews, uh, our, again, our third week in a row, our contributors are knocking it out of the park. Um, so make sure you get on there and, and check that stuff out. Um, you know, we all have well, we all have personal Twitters, but most of have personal <laughs> Twitters. Uh, Stephanie was not here. Is at Hello Cookie. Uh, I am at Bobby Shortle. Steve is at Dead underscore Anchorus. Rob uh, at Dusk ten twenty. And Bob's email address rrr two four four two at yahoo.com. Let me just say though, by the way, we ha- a lot of stories are up there. Comment. We have that little feature. Throw comments on the stories because mm. you know people. It gets a dialogue going. I know you are thinking about doing a message board at some point. Yeah, I am. We're, we're, I'm looking into. It. I'm trying to find the best version of it, the best way to do it. I want to make it so people have already signed up for the site are already members of the message board. I don't want them to go through another process of signing sure. up again. Um, but we're trying to figure it out. If you guys are interested in that, if you guys want that, you know, tweet us at Talking Comics or email us. 
info at talkingcomicbooks.com and let us know because you know I don't want to put a message board up there and then be barren. I want people, if people want it, they want it because um, we want to be able to talk to you guys. And you know, Twitter is great, but you know, it's tough sometimes. You know, Steve, Stephanie, I all have access to the Twitter, and sometimes. It's like I want to say, oh, I want to say something, but I don't want it to be speaking for right. everybody, mm-hmm. you know. And you know, you so have to specify who it is that's yeah. you know, talking through talking comments. Yeah. And if you're oh. talking to two or three people at the same time, all of their names take yeah. up the whole message as is. Yeah, it takes up a lot of characters. So we want to be able to talk to you more long form and get into long discussions with you guys. So long form, um, <gasps> we'll be able the to concept. imagine that there yeah. will be a form coming up. Um, so yeah, that's a lot of big things coming up. A lot I mean, of exciting I, stuff. I can't brush my teeth in 140 characters. <laughs> <laughs> um, Stephanie's at Comic Con right now, so I'm sure when she comes back next week, she'll have some stories to tell. Um, uh, we should have just an interview with Stephanie. Yeah, <laughs> for walking, you know, for talking in comics. We're yeah. just walking around that room is going to be pretty special. Man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for those of you wondering about Walking Dead 100, it's some crazy happenstance. None of like the regular writers actually read Walking Dead, but Rob reads Walking Dead. I asked him if he'd write a review, and he agreed to. So there will nice. be a review you, of Walking Dead 100 on the site. Um, so that will go up there uh, and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about it next week in some capacity um, so that is it for Talking Comics for this week um, for Steve uh, have a good time at Comic Con everybody we'll talk to you next week Bob Vita Zane Rob see you later I have been Bobby until next time on Talking Comics to be continued to be continued